Welcome to another No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's, that's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 number one super guy. Bow, bow. Oh, yeah. Mo, I'm, st- I'm still very tickled by our uh, new, <laughs> sort of new at this point, opening theme song. I-, I-, I love that, and just to pull back the curtain slightly, that you basically just passed along a bit of information about the show we did, and they fucking nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's I, so perfect. I, well, I was uh, mentioning really briefly before we started recording that uh, that Matt Farley uh, recently was on a uh, real short podcast on NPR. Um, what's it? Too too long? Well, TDLR, you know, too long. Too long didn't read. Um, yeah. And uh, did I just? I just totally screwed that up. Did I, whatever. I posted it <laughs> on my Facebook page. I'll post it on the uh, on the No Budget Nightmares page at one time. And he kind of talks about like his his method and one of the things uh, like it really like that's all he needs is he needs like two or three little pieces of information about something and like he writes these brilliant songs sort of on the spot and uh, yeah I, I kind of I I'm still completely in love with the uh, with the theme song and like I'll listen to it like <laughs> just sort of at random you know every now and again whenever I need like a pick me up I'll pop it on and just listen to it. It's one of those things that you explaining that just then that just reminds me that people with real musical talent. I know you're one of those people. I'm not. Mo, and I, I know that John Cross is, is as well. But people with real musical talent, they I'm so impressed with them. The idea that you could take, uh, you know, a, a, a certain amount of inspiration, right. even if it's provided by someone else, and and come up with something that is completely your own. And I think of my inability to do that, <laughs> and I feel nothing but shame and sadness. And, and yet, ironically, you've had more. You've probably had more radio play than <laughs> me or John. Cross combined. Well, I, I'm I'm good at interpreting the works of others. Right, right. <laughs> Mo, we're back on No Budget Nightmares, our first of 2014. Yep, yep. And uh, today we are covering uh, one of the things for those who've been keeping track of what we've been covering lately on the show. We've been uh, kind of catching up on some of the classics, the shot on video classics, the straight to video classics, uh, and and kind of uh, making sure that we have our ducks in a row before <laughs> uh, before taking on uh, some different projects. We're 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 covering. Uh, I think we stopped keeping conventional track of what episode we're on, but uh, I think we're like in the forties now, somewhere around there. That sounds right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, like, I love that we're now, like, this far into the show covering films that, like, any other show doing this would have done, like, episode two, three, <laughs> you know. Uh, very good point, actually. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just sort of how it is. Just a thing. Yeah, I think this is episode 42, uh, and, uh, and you're right. Uh, so I much mean, for I Mr. Think, reliability, huh? I think part of the initial... 
idea was that we were just sort of we wanted to 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 explore movies that we hadn't seen or that we had heard of and that but the thing is we both watched a lot of these yeah. types of movies <clears throat> and and also the fact is a movie like uh, boarding house or video violence they have been analyzed by at least certain groups of people. You know, those are ones that are fairly well known amongst the type of people who already enjoy no budget movies. Right. That said, there's always going to be a time when we have to address them. And there's still a large group of people who have no idea about these movies. Right. And speaking of those kind of movies, since I haven't mentioned what we're covering yet, uh, this week we're actually covering one of the first what I would call one of the first no-budget movies that I ever really saw, which is 1987's, though it's uh, also maybe 1989's, <laughs> Red, Redneck Zombies by Pericles Lunes. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's pretty incredible how, how available this movie has been. I think, because the copy that you had, you had gotten me for this, because the copy I have doesn't have the trauma intro into right. it, and the copy you had given me said that this is like, this was like the first movie to receive like worldwide distribution like that was shot on video. Sure. Yeah. I mean, who knows how accurate that is? Cause right. Is right coming, of course it's coming from the mouth of Lloyd Kaufman, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it as it stands and say, that's, that's a pretty good feat. I mean, it's it, and and the thing is, comparing Redneck Zombies, uh, especially since it was filmed in 1947. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> well, when you talk about Redneck Zombies, if it was made in 1987, I mean, that puts it right in that kind of first wave right. of shot-on-video horror. Uh, but when you compare it against some of those initial uh, kind of shots of films, mm-hmm. things like Blood Cult, uh, and even something like Video Violence, Redneck Zombies, in most ways, is a lot more polished than those kind of movies. I, You know, it's, it had been so long since I've seen this, because I, I don't know, like, it's on... It's on Netflix, or it was for a while. I don't know if it still is, but it was on Netflix for a while, and I was in my queue forever. Sure. And uh, and and I I mean I watched it. I don't know late nineties when I was really getting into film and like starting to get like obsessed with trauma and uh, sure you know uh, and and this sort of film. But and I had watched it back then, and then it kind of like fell off my radar for a really long time. So I forgot kind of most everything about it. Um, so I'm, I, so going back to it, yeah, it was kind of a huge shock how, yeah, how polished this movie really is. It's really well done. Yeah, it, it was, it completely bowled me over because when I first saw this, it was before I was really into, uh, ultra low budget movies at right, all. Right. And all I remember at the time was thinking at first, A, this seems like really amateurish right, when right. I saw it. Uh, and I like noticed a few mistakes, which are, I mean, <laughs> mistakes are par for the course. Yeah. Uh, but, but I remember like my lasting impression of it was, oh, this is just like a bunch of people got together, just decided to shoot a movie on a few weekends or something like that. Right. But watching it now, I'm like, holy shit, no, this is, this is, they went to some real efforts. Yeah. Here. Like, like this, this movie was probably storyboarded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this movie was probably, they probably had ideas for shots all set up before they started filming, which most of these movies don't seem that way. <laughs> I mean, you can see why Troma would have would uh, would have uh, distributed this even though it is shot on video because right. it's it's sort of its pedigree and the kind of content that it has in it feels very much like a Troma movie of yeah. the, of the mid to late 80s. Well, I think he had said that he he wrote that Troma was the reason why he wanted to make a movie in the first place. Well, you got to keep your aspirations high, I suppose. Right. (laughs) 
personally, well, chem- uh, Chemical Burn's the reason why I want to make a movie. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone needs to have a goal. They put out life. Order of One. They they can do no wrong. That's uh, that's a good point. They also put out uh, Junk Food Horror Fest, so they can definitely do wrong. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm hoping that Uno Dos uh, sets up a new distribution <laughs> label. <laughs> oh, that'd be the best. <laughs> Oh, we're going deep, deep cuts on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. Going all the way back to number one. Number one, one, Number one, one with uh, a bullet. But we're talking today, however, about redneck zombies. You know, it's interesting, Mo, when I think of the mid to late 80s, and I think about that time quite a bit because of my need to embrace nostalgia. I was going to say, most people our age kind of tend to think about that era a lot. When you compare it to the kind of wider view of horror at that time period, uh, it's interesting that zombie films which, of course, had this giant resurgence in the early 2000s and, and late 90s, mm. that they were only really being kept alive in shot-on-video right. uh, around that time period. I mean, that's where these people who were, like, massive fans of those late 70s, early 80s films, that's where, like, the influence really kind of, of, of solidified uh, with, with, with things like Zombie Rampage. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, like, there's, there's dozens and dozens uh, and death metal zombies of right. shot on video uh, uh, horror. Well, it also, it, also doesn't, it also helps that it's incredibly easy to make a zombie movie, you know, compared to like trying to make some other particular types of horror. Films. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's not like. No, I'm not saying could... I'm not saying it's lazy. I'm just saying it's easy. No, no, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. But I mean, they could be making a vampire movie, right? right? But right. They're, not. they're not. They're making a zombie exactly. movie. And they're slapping some paint on some dude's faces, and uh... <laughs> big black, big black bags underneath their eyes, and <laughs> that's the classic zombie classic. look, ghouls. Uh, but it's interesting when you when you really kind of uh, look at that later success, and especially because the later success that did happen with, say, uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake and mm. Shaun of the Dead and those kind of movies in 28 Days Later, they came from people who were fans generally, right? Uh, generally fans of the genre, right? Yeah, but. The, this is like stuff like Redneck Zombies and Zombie Rampage and Death Metal Zombies. Those those are people who are heading towards that direction very early. Probably people right. who were going at it before they had the necessarily the polished skill to be able to make uh, mainstream style zombie movies. But mm-hmm. this is there, you can see the influences in these movies from the movies that influenced the directors. Absolutely. I said that in a very awkward way, but what I mean is you can see Lucio Fulci and you can see George Romero's influence all over these movies, and that didn't really kind of uh, display itself in mainstream movies for many years later. Yeah, well, I mean, like like in this one, there's the scene where, you know, where the zombie redneck, uh, I'm sorry, where the redneck zombie fights the shark, you know. And that... <laughs> I like how you corrected zombie redneck. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to give it the, the credit it deserves. It's not a, it's not a zombie redneck. It's a redneck zombie. Yeah, yeah. You know. that, that's I don't know who who you're disparaging there, the rednecks or the zombies. A little uh, but it is <laughs> it's important to be as accurate as possible. <laughs> the tagline to redneck zombies is uh, they're tobacco chewing, gut chomping, cannibal kinfolk from hell. It's true. And uh, what what is notable about that tagline, Mo? <laughs> Putting you on the spot on a podcast. Are you are you asking me a question? I'm asking you a question. No, what's I don't know. What's notable about it? The most notable thing about that tagline is that it was used in a question, just like a question I just gave you, uh-huh. in Trivial Pursuit. Uh-huh. What film had the tagline, they're tobacco-chewing, gut-chomping, cannibal kinfolk from hell? Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Not really. Redneck Zombie's part of Trivial Pursuit history. <laughs> also interesting... Quite interesting, in fact, is that the game Trivial Pursuit was uh, invented right here in Canada. 
Uh huh. So was <laughs> so a... was Justin Bieber. <laughs> we, we should have a, a crickets chirping sound <laughs> <laughs> for those moments when nobody cares. I thought it's quite interesting. Sure. Hey, those slices that you get in Trivial Pursuit. Do you know what I'm referring to? The cheese. The cheese. Is that what you refer to it as? Cheese. No, that's what they're called. Uh, is is it? Yeah, it's a wheel of cheese. Are you sure? Why? What are you going to say? I'm not going to say anything. I, I legitimately was asking. Oh, yeah. No, I believe there, I believe it's supposed to be a wheel of cheese. Hmm. Why? I don't know. All right. I thought, <laughs> I thought since you knew that, that you might know a little bit more. <laughs> no. I, no, I mean, it's that, that's one of those games that I, I mean, I played that game a lot when I was, as I was growing up because my father's like a trivia fucking nut. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a good, there was a good period where I could hold my own against the old man and uh, I've stopped caring, so... <laughs> I had a uh, Trivial Pursuit variation as a child called IQ2000. Some people will know what I'm talking about. The questions were based on planets in the solar system, Ooh. and they all had different topics. But uh, th- And this is the same issue with Trivial Pursuit editions from like the 1980s or, or early 90s, is that the questions, especially the entertainment-style questions, become dated so quickly. Really so like quickly. Every question is about happy days and Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, going back to No Budget Nightmares... <laughs> <laughs> Back to our show, not to, Back to the, not show to the that Trivial we're Pursuit talking. Hour. <laughs> well, I hope you'll be paying attention to our IQ, Trivial Pursuit IQ 2014. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Redneck Zombies. Do it. All right, so Redneck Zombies from, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I guess the distribution didn't occur till 1989, mm. but the film itself takes place or was filmed in 1987 because it starts with a kind of a voiceover talking, giving us a little bit of background, uh, sort of similar to Return of the Living Dead's background where uh, these chemical warfare, nuclear waste ends up getting lost uh, and it's done in sort of a serious manner, this kind of voiceover text at the beginning saying that this one barrel that is missing uh, could be the end of life on this planet. And you want to know how we can know how how we know that this movie was competently made? How you can read what it says, unlike certain other boarding house movies, <laughs> where you can't read <laughs> what the text says. Previous episode, Boarding House. Uh, everyone should go check that out. Yes, that's indeed the case. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of Boarding House, since we didn't do a really a, a follow-up on it, I have yet to see the longer cut of Boarding House, but I did track down the Code Red DVD of it, uh, which has a commentary. And one of these days, I'm going to give it a listen to see what some of the mindset behind all that is. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're going to have to get that to me because I, I, I need to hear that commentary. <laughs> um. Mo, I have a question for you, uh, and this is going to really show how my ignorance. Yep. Redneck Zombie starts with a Full Moon Pictures presents. Yeah. Th- is that is that the the? That, I mean, it has to be the Charles Band Full Moon. I, I would imagine it would have to be. But what? But, I mean, but that, that doesn't seems... make any sense though, because doesn't didn't that Full Moon not have? Well, no, that makes sense actually, because I think the I think the Full Moon as because I think it was Empire right before it was Full Moon. Sure, of course. Um. Is that sarcasm, or do you, are you? No, 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 no. That's you're absolutely. Oh, right. okay, yeah. Because I think I think the name Jeez. Full Moon didn't happen until '89. Right, right. Okay. So I mean, it would uh, kind of make sense, and I and I know that Charles Band did a lot of work with Troma, so I mean, that wouldn't. I guess, yeah. So the crossover makes makes some, sense. Some level of sense, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the 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 logo that they're using back then is is a little off, but I mean, when you when you go through the IMDb, yeah, it definitely connects up with right, the right. Charles Band Full Moon. So, uh, just like all of our favorite no-budget movies, uh, Redneck Zombies starts in an insane asylum. Always. 
The J.L. Leach Institution for the Viciously Abused. <laughs> Mo, how many movies do you think start with the uh, the little title on the screen, which like tells you the location, and then it tells you like the the ta- the date, and then it tells you the time of the day, but then they go ridiculous by getting like very specific. Oh, like, wait, so it's counting seconds. seconds? Yes. Uh, I mean, I can. I mean, I can think of like three or four off the top yeah, of my head, that's a, but, it, but it that's is a pretty, it's a pretty common commonly used joke. Uh, so, but the very fact that they use that joke at the beginning of this movie should tip you to the fact that Redneck Zombies is not going to be taking itself particularly seriously. Right. Uh, so one of the first things we see is a guy in a wheelchair burning himself with a cigarette while uh, he's actually reading Fangoria magazine. Yes. A little uh, hat tip back then, which probably didn't seem quite so gosh as it does now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he uh, overhears two doctors talking about a disturbing case. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, this is this kind of framing device is not so uncommon, though the one that they use here, uh, I mean, it all connects up. It's fine, but it is pretty superfluous. It's not really necessary. This, yeah, this whole intro scene, like the whole insane asylum scene, at the beginning at the very least, is entirely unnecessarily unnecessary. But I do like the fact that it, that it sort of sets up the whole movie as a flashback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very uh, Dr. Caligari. But, uh, right. <laughs> but uh, the, the, and I also have to say that these two doctors, even though their acting is not great, I love that they're playing it like over the top. Right. Uh, it's very uh, melodramatic almost. Yes. In fact, right, uh, I'll, I'll, one, I'll... yeah, let's, let's hear them. Yeah. Well, there must be some way to break through it. What the hell happened up there? No one knows. But whatever it was, it must have been the epitome of horror. <laughs> <laughs> then they have a really great line about how they should go how, how do they have time for like a, like nine holes before they have to do something and then the other guy goes uh, yes but they don't allow the Jews yeah right <laughs> but I like I like the way that he delivers that epitome of horror epitome of line horror. Very, very, uh, very horror host like right. and this is a pretty I mean it's a brief segment we get a quick shot of a woman in a straight jacket uh, <laughs> with a kind of quick flashbacks to bodies being torn apart, uh, and then a kettle whistling. <laughs> so, you know, we, we got a... The setup is here, it's pretty short, and then we're thrown right into things. Right. It's actually... We're thrown into things a little oddly, too, because this is... this Redneck Zombies, just like a lot of the low-budget efforts we cover, has a strangely large number of characters. Yeah, it is. It, there is kind of a... Because there's almost like... There's like three sets of casts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's like three kind of uh, intermingling stories. Actually, you could even say four to some extent. Uh, and and each one has their own little set of characters that are connected to it. Um, and, and then there are other characters outside of that, too. So I'm sure for you, Mo, uh, because you know that I am a little bit antsy about making sure that I know the names of characters, it was a massive pain in the ass. Yeah, well, I mean, especially since there are a couple of characters who they don't even say the character's name until the end of the film. Yeah, that's right. So like, I'm like, oh, then I gotta go back in my notes. Yeah, I, I actually just did that. Like, as you were talking at the beginning, I went back and typed in <laughs> some of the characters' names that I had forgotten to do at the beginning of my notes. <laughs> now, uh, the first title we see, because now the title screen comes up, it says Lisa M. D. Haven in Redneck Zombie, starring Lisa M. D. Haven, uh, who uh, in this case plays uh, Lisa Dubois in the film. What uh, what do you think about Lisa M. D. Haven in this movie? Which one is she? She's the one. She's the final girl. Oh, okay. The 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 insane asylum chick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I she's 
forgettable. <laughs> it, it's a very interesting that she gets such a, a prominent credit, right. considering considering that her character does so very little in the movie up until the end. Almost nothing. Uh, almost nothing. Yeah. And, and it's not a very interesting portrayal she hits one moment where she almost cuts like a wrestling promo right. we'll, we'll talk about that a little later <laughs> but 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 she's not what you gonna do zombies <laughs> when the biggest arms in wrestling run wild on you she just flexes the whole yeah, time yeah she's just flexing the whole time <laughs> zombies patooey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just I just thought it was kind of notable the fact that that she gets a lot of play in the credits when her character is not very interesting. And in fact, the more interesting characters in the movie uh, seem to get almost they they almost make a joke out of the fact that they're kind of just killed off with little fan. Right. <laughs> uh, during the opening credits, we get some uh, music, uh, an opening theme, in fact, and uh, a thematically appropriate one. Oh, I get it because it's country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who likes country music? Stupid people. Yes. And, <laughs> and Canadians. And Canadians, well, uh, people from Calgary, yes. <laughs> My brain is good. I get drunk and wander. Actually, this wait for it, Wait fun. for it, everyone who's listening. Down till dawn. I am just a redneck zombie Boom. since you're Boom. gone. Lays the... Lays down the pipe. I don't lays down the pipe. Uh, we do learn that the screenplay for this movie is by Fester Smellman, based on a sto- story by Zoo Feet and P. Floyd Piranha. Those sound like pseudonyms to me. Yeah. I would suggest that it's likely that Pericles Lunas was the person who actually wrote this, but uh, I cannot actually confirm that. I really hope that there is a Fester Spellman, Smellman out there. <laughs> uh, I will say one of the best things about this movie are the names of the characters. Uh, I don't think that there's. I mean, not all the characters, but uh, but the fact that uh, they uh, went really cliche on the redneck names, right. and they decided to call the character Ferd Mertz. Yeah, Fer, well, uh, yeah, Ferd Mertz is great. Ferd Mertz, I I, that is a genius fucking name. <laughs> I like that the the post credits sequence makes the text at the very beginning completely unnecessary. Right. <laughs> Because we actually see what it was talking about, uh, we see a uh, uh, an army jeep, a guy driving along with it. He's sort of it seems like he's talking to himself as it goes. Yeah, and, and he's, he's he's flipping through the radio, and um, and we see the the giant barrel of toxic waste sitting precariously in the back of the jeep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And there's a great moment as he's flipping through the. Ra- actually, this character, what was his name Robinson? Robinson, like that's Tyrone right. Robinson. Um, he's probably my favorite character in the entire film. <laughs> he really is because he's so ridiculous. But there's this great moment where where he's flipping through the radio and and this starts playing. <laughs> just... I love his response. Like he always has a great response to everything. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, I like how he's not like, in terms of acting skill, probably not the best in the film. No, but uh, he he gets to. Uh, he, I think of him as our audience surrogate because he reacts like you probably should react in most of the <laughs> <Right>. situations. <laughs> he also gets one of the best lines in the movie much later on. Yeah. <laughs> 
so we see him driving around and, and turning off the radio broadcast, and, and, and then we get introduced to, uh, I guess we would call them our main... Okay, I really apologize for that. <laughs> that should be a default uh, uh, technical difficulties. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, instead of the little Spanish flea... It's, That's right. <laughs> we are the nation of spirit. I, I mean, I know we mentioned this before, but I sometimes worry that if Dave Waskovich ever listened to the show, he'd think that we were just like mocking his movie <laughs> and his grandmother incessantly. <laughs> Which is hilarious because it's just, it's such a love. Yeah, absolutely. Although we do mock it incessantly. So from there we get to, we, we sort of get introduced to who are really the main characters of the movie. And this is kind of a strange group. Because we never understand, and maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed some of the. No, dialogue. you didn't miss it. There's, there's no explanation of what they're doing or why they're there or any of that shit. Yeah, and it, they're even kind of disparate enough in ages that it's hard to even try to guess what sort of like they don't seem like they're just friends, right? Right, and they're not like a Boy Scout troop because there's girls in it. They're not, you know, and they're not, they're, they're not like a church youth group or anything like. Like, there's no real explana- explanation. Like you think, you think for a second. Well, maybe they're like like one of those inner youth, inner city youth type organizations where they bring hard up kids. But then we find out one of the kids is like in a pre med program. Or, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's like it's. I don't know. Maybe it's just some. They're, they're all college age. Yeah, maybe they're just a college group. I don't know, but there's no explanation to them whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you kind of just got to let that go. So yeah. I'm I'm not going to go through all the names because I'm no good at it, uh, and I and I don't have my notes written down. Well, so. the important ones are are Bob, Wilbur, Andy, and Teresa, basically. That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, Wilbur is sort of an older guy. He's leading the group. I I've, I, I've, I called in my notes. He's referred to as the guide. Yes, the guide. Yeah. Even though he, when we are introduced to him, he's already lost. Yeah. Uh, Bob is a black guy. We learn later that he is uh, pre-med or pre-vet, pre-vet. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, Andy, Andy. How would what would what would be the word that you would first use to describe Andy in this movie? Um, well, let's see. The first when I first met him in the film, uh-huh. uh, I used the term germaphobe. Germaphobe, right? Because uh, he uses a lot of deodorant. But uh, as the film progressed, I would have used I used the term fabulous. He's effeminate, right? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, this is a movie, uh, like, for those who haven't seen Redneck Zombies, this is not a PC movie. No. It does not treat its characters. Uh, I mean, it's it's an equal opportunity offender, but it definitely doesn't treat people of minorities or uh, people of uh, non... Um, people who are ho- homosexual with much respect. <laughs> I was trying to wonder where you are going to go with that. People who are non... I... <laughs> Not what? Non normal? I was going to say non standard. I was like, that is the worst thing I could say. That's a really terrible thing to say. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Homosexuals, uh, minorities. They're they're all yeah. I mean even you know even the 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 whites are all. I mean everybody is treated like yeah. And rednecks of course are treated particularly. They're probably treated the worst. Yeah, but they deserve it. They course. deserve it because they're rednecks. Um, sorry, people. <laughs> what are they called? Children of the soil? <laughs> what, what, whatever. I'm from Connecticut. I don't give a shit about the South. So, but Andrew is a very effeminate character, and I'm, I'm not saying this in any way as a criticism, but it's very strange that they also make him sort of a pussy hound. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Because that's like, that's well, like he, half you know, of... think about it this way. He's like the Paul Stanley of the group. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I thought you were going to say the Paul Linda the group. Or the Prince. Right. You, call them, you know, like well, those guys yeah, who are like so gay that they're straight. Right. And super straight. Super and straight. they got to prove it at all times. Right. Uh, and not like some of the other uh, <laughs> <not> standard <laughs> characters. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this momentarily, but uh, there are some characters who are uh, have, have questions about their sexuality or are uh, dealing with their sexuality in a way that would be offensive to people who are actually dealing with their sexuality. Right. <laughs> uh, Andrew is also notable because he wears a lot of uh, ironic T-shirts, which is a very modern thing to do. Right. I have a sneaking suspicion they weren't really ironic then. No, they were just shirts. I think he was just wearing T-shirts. <laughs> Though uh, they're, they're notable also for switching sometimes within the same scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So those are – we have a kind of a core group of characters. Uh, the ones that we did not name do not get attached to them. Right, which is ironic because one of the people who we did not name is the quote-unquote main character of the film. That's true. That's exactly right. <laughs> So we get back to Robinson, and uh, Robinson is the army guy, and he is trying to give a dog, who we discover that that's who he was talking to, he wasn't just talking to himself, right. he has a dog in the, in the, uh, in the army team, <laughs> he's trying to give the dog a joint. <laughs> well, you want some of this? <laughs> but he drops the joint and ends up driving off the road, and a vat of the toxic waste falls off. Shit on a toadstool! <laughs> that is Robinson's very uh, apt response. Oh man! <laughs> I love how he runs after it. Like he's running, and they're cutting between it, rolling yeah, down yeah, the yeah, hill, yeah, yeah. and he's running after it. And when he gets to it, he like looks at it for two seconds. He goes, "Ooh, no leaks." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, this is where we get our first redneck appearance, right? Because after he stops and he checks the the, the barrel for a millisecond, we hear a gun cock, and we look up, and it's and it's our our buddy Ferd. Ferd Mertz. Ferd Mertz. Ferd Mertz. Now, Ferd is a rotund gentleman. He's a big dude. Big dude uh, who uh, has some of the most ridiculous and offensive dialogue in the movie. Yes. Uh, and also, I have to say that this actor really does give it his all because he has to fall down a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. His prat- It's funny, you know, for like such a big dude. Yeah, his pratfalls are pretty, pretty spot on. And his name, I don't know if this is his actual name, but it's credited as Bucky Santini. That's a great name. He's the great Santini. That's right. He's the amazing Bucky... Okay. So... <laughs> the astounding Bucky Santini! So Ferd points the gun at him, tells get him to get off his land. land. Get off my uh, soil. But I think that they... Uh, I think it was time for them to make a Cool Hand Luke reference. Right. I love... I, but then they do one of my favorite things ever in, like, redneck, you know, like, Moonshiner movies... He calls him a he calls him a revnor. I love that. He goes, oh, I thought you might be a revnor. What's what's a revnor? You don't you don't know what a revnor is? Like no. it's oh well it's like uh, that's what the like the moonshine moonshiners would call people from the IRS. Come you know a revenuer. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like that's coming, I've never heard somebody, that. I honestly haven't. Yeah, somebody somebody coming to check on to make sure that they're not making money illegally. I need to watch more exploitation movies. You really do. Yeah, you yeah, wa- apparently watch so. like Moonshine Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I have trouble watching movies where the rednecks are the good guys. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's tough. Um, though I was a big Dukes of Hazzard fan, so Watch Country knows? Cousins. All right. But anyway, I mentioned Cool Hand Luke reference. I think we have a sound clip. Yep. 
Now, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Bitch! <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> 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 this is edited very strangely, but uh, Ferd shoots a gun in the air, and the black guy, uh, Robinson, I don't think we mentioned that he's black, but he uh, he runs the hell off, which is what you would do in that circumstance. Right. It's a fucking barrel. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> Ferd also, he reads the front of the barrel, and he's like, he's going word by word, and he goes, do not open till Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, we uh, we then get introduced to some more rednecks. But I, I, yeah, I love the fact I love the fact that as soon as he starts to claim ownership of the barrel himself, he gets guns pulled on him. Yes, <laughs> and rightfully so. Right, <laughs> because, he shot because their still. He shot the still of Jed and Junior and Jethro and Billy Bob, a family. Now, 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 now. Ellie May. Ellie May. Yes, <laughs> I, I. We this Billy Bob. Uh, who's actually played by the uh, director of the film, Pericles Lunes, he uh, he wants his brothers and father to call him Ellie May. Yep. I love that the father blames his uh, behavior on... On, on satellite, satellite television. Satellite television. <laughs> I love Heckle and Jekyll. <laughs> so, uh, Ferd uh, is in trouble because he did shoot their still, and in order to make things right and in order to not get himself shot, he offers the barrel to the family as a new still. It's a fancy one. Mm-hmm. And look at that and, paint and job. Yeah, fast. Does have a nice paint job. <laughs> it does have a nice paint job. <laughs> I love that the father, he's skeptical, but he doesn't like totally dislike Ferd. I think he says something like, oh, Ferd's got pole cat shit for brains. But like they, they still accept the fact that eh, it's probably going to make a good still. Yeah. Well, I, you know, like... um. I I don't know if it's if it's here or later in the film where they explain like that he actually kind of likes him. Yeah. You know, and and, uh, <laughs> and you know, or else they said he would have they would have killed him earlier. <laughs> <laughs> That's how things work down in the south. It's true. I also love that a valuable property would be a barrel. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, have, while they still have satellite television at home. Which is really funny because I mean, look, I I I, I don't know I don't know a lot about a lot of things but I mean but I do know that like mm-hmm. when you when, when you like that that barrel would not be big enough to produce the amount of moonshine these guys are trying to make. I mean they're basically shopping it to everyone in the entire right, like, exactly. county, right? Exactly. The redneck county, you know, the like, fever that they have. They 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 would need a gigantic gigantic container to fill with their with their mash because the mash that they were using, if you, I mean, it's like it was in like its tiny little bucket, you know, and it's, uh, I don't know, I know, I know too much about moonshining for my own. I life. know, I know very little about moonshine. I, I do. I feel it's like that bucket. I feel that like I got an education. Would, yeah, that barrel would not be big enough to do what they were trying to do. Well, sorry, Pericles Lunes. It sounds like Mo has caught you in a, a fumble. I have faux pas, yeah. sir. Faux pas. Yeah. <laughs> fucked up the moonshine. You done fucked uh, up, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to get this barrel, which is full of something, by the way. Right. Uh, for we know that it's nuclear waste. They need to get that to the location of their old still, uh, and they do so by rolling it to I, the new location. I, and, I love uh, how they're Paul, like. There's this great moment where they're sort of like questioning what could be inside the barrel. <laughs> like it could be like fertilizer, or it could be, I forget what, or like iodine. It's a fertilizer, iodine, or bleach. Right. And then, like, I remember one of the sons, I forget which one, it might have been Junior, goes, I like fertilizer! (laughs) 
I mean, we, it's we're talking uh, sub hee haw levels of humor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But so funny they, though. They, but funny. I mean, I I mean, like every time they said something ridiculous, I still laughed. Yeah, I love that the, the father gives like the sons like the three stooges slap, like the one slap across <laughs> all of their faces. <laughs> That's perfect. There's a lot of like ridiculous slapstick in this. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, Ferd Mertz manages to fall down in a ridiculously wonderful way. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, the father does sort of a eulogy to the old still, which, by the way, they show it for a second. It is literally just a, like a piece of rust. It's, yeah, it is a it is it is a a rusted tin can, basically. <laughs> but uh, he does have some advice for both his sons and the audience. Uh, you've been a good old girl to us, Flory. Flory. <laughs> I guess I gotta put you down. I hate to do it, you know, but it... It's like my daddy used to say to me before he got run over by that tractor. Sometimes... Life sucks! (laughs) (laughs) And then he picks the thing up and just tosses it. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, I guess... What they're going to do is they're going to actually start... Well, actually, what they needed to do in this case is get inside the barrel. So Ellie Mae, uh, he picks it up uh, in order... To, and, and he's going to smash it, and I guess, or do something to get the liquid out of it. Right. But instead, he sort of falls backward, and it all kind of uh, runs out into whatever they're... I don't know the mechanics of Moonshine production, but well, uh, it, the liquid it, all starts to pour out. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, yeah the, the top smashes open... When they drop it, and a whole bunch of it splatters into what is called a corn mash. Uh huh. That's right. Into their mash. Yeah. And they would say, "Looks like fertilizer. It smells like iodine with a piss of bleach in it." <laughs> I'd make a good like Southern gentleman. Right. <laughs> and now the weirdest part of the fucking movie happens, and that is the introduction of the Tobacco Man. The Tobacco Man shows up. Now, uh, in the context of Redneck Zombies, the Tobacco Man is like an ice cream man. Right. He basically, like, uh, you can hear his call from across the county. Which is basically just him, like, pounding on the bottom of a bucket. That's right. And all the boys get really excited. Oh, Tobacco Man's here. Tobacco Man. And they all all got to, uh, they need some money from their father and they're all going to run over and buy from the Tobacco Man. Yeah, and it's crazy because he looks like Joseph Merrick from the Elephant Man. Yeah, he looks like the Elephant Man. <laughs> yeah. Like you can see, there's a big sack over his head, and you can kind of see some uh, messed up skin. Yeah, around the best his part is that, is that, like, when you look, when they do that close up on his eye, you can see that the skin is actually coming over the flap. Of... <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so gross. Yeah, and he's got uh, a voice like, um, well, he's got sort of like a Freddy Kruegerish echoey voice. Yeah, a lot of uh, reverb fact... on the, on his voice. <laughs> Well, the the boys are going to get whatever they want, but uh, but the father wants some tobacco for for his pipe, <laughs> and uh, this is how the uh, the order occurs. What'll be today, boys? I'll try. He lists off what he has. <laughs> I got dip for the gum, snuff for the nose. I got roll your owns and smokes and a newfangled machine that rolls them for you. Newfangled. Even got pellets that taste like licorice. Don't have to spit them out. Just let them dissolve. Oh, they good. They good for young ones just like you. <laughs> what will be, boys? Dip, dip. We want dip and bake for daddy's buns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they get super excited about the dip. Yep. 
I don't know much about like I, I've never smoked before. I know that makes me uh, sort of a how uncool. I know I'm a very uncool person. <laughs> uh, I've never smoked tobacco, I should say. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but but so I don't really know the the a lot of what they're talking about here. But I have to say that the tobacco man makes the whole kind of all the different things you can have made out of tobacco sound really appealing. Yeah. And but not forever, <laughs> not for a long time. Right. Well, I, mean, I, I, I can the... tell you, I can tell you that that dip is fucking disgusting. Uh huh. Um, that snuff makes you sneeze like a motherfucker. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I, I imagine those pellets would probably be fun, but I, you know, whatever. And uh, yeah, no, I'll stick to my, uh, I'll stick to my, uh, my good old Your flake, my flake for my pipe. <laughs> flaky mo. Uh, but uh, after flaky. selling, after selling to these uh, youngsters, uh, we the love our dip. T- the tobacco man has a sort of uh, change of mood. It's really weird. It it's a very bizarre message to have in your movie. Yeah, because <laughs> like I mean, like he really, really goes into it about like what's going to happen to you if you keep up with the with the with the dip and the smoke and you know like your jaw's going to fall off and you know like they're going to you're going to want to stop, but, but you'll you, never, be, but able never be able to. I mean, it's like, but like you're the one selling it to them. Like why? Yeah, well, why have the character who's selling the product to them be the one who are tell- is telling them how bad it is? <laughs> well, I think I think this is like a a message. It's a message to the viewer. What that, a weird uh, message! And, and yeah, like you know, I mean, like if anything, you know, like how about put the message in of don't drink moonshine? Yeah, right. Well, I think that one is implied as well. <laughs> once you finish the movie, yeah, <laughs> you don't know where it's coming from. Right. Anyway, so so sons of the soil. Don't smoke tobacco or chew it or whatever the fuck There's that you like to do. There's dark times are coming. There's dark times are coming. Uh, and the boys get scared and they run off because uh, <laughs> the tobacco man's flipping out a little right, bit. Right, exactly. He's going nuts. Back to the campers, Woo. Mo. The campers. Now, the campers, by the way, are do not appear to all be southern. I guess, uh, I mean, who knows where they're from? Right. They're, they're, they're certainly not rednecks, I should well, say. Well, I mean, that's, the, that's sort of the brilliant thing about where where this movie's from because, you know, Pericles Lunes is from Maryland. Right. You know, so that's right on the cusp, like just, right. And this was, and this was all filmed in Maryland and Delaware. Right. Exactly. So just South of them is, is essentially redneck country. And just North of them is like the fucking U S capital. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to get, to find all sorts of accents just in that area. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, and it also makes sense that people from that area might go into redneck country to camp. Right. Right. Which is what's happening here, apparently. So the campers are looking for. They're back on track, by the way. Uh, Wilbur's has found the trail that he's looking for, mm. and um, he he's going to take them to a dynamite camping spot that has a pond to piss in. Right. I love that. that I, is a prerequisite. That is a prerequisite. I love when they cut back uh, the the black guy uh, Bob. Is talking with his with his girlfriend, yeah, and <laughs> and he's explaining to her something that about how like it has it has more protein, you know, per ounce than a than a steak, and how it's good for the skin, and you know, and we're like, wow, that. And she even says that she'll. Oh, I guess I'll, I try, guess it I'll try it tonight. You know, what is he talking about, Mo? Well, I'm assuming he's talking about uh, avocados. Nice. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> that's not where my mind was going. At, but anyway, yeah. So that's that. It's it's probably the first shot on video movie to have an explicit cum joke. Right. Exactly. 
But uh, I, I there's love a how they, a... they start complaining. Like, they want to stop where they're at. And yes. the guy's like, this place is beaver shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they have, like, a little argument about it. Right. And Lisa, I remember our main character. Yeah, Lisa, the main character. <laughs> her response is to fart. Brilliant. She farts a response. Brilliant. Yeah. And then some of the people talk about how smelly it is. Yeah. So that's that's what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> Not back much, at the not U.S. military, here, <laughs> back, back at the at the uh, local army base, Robinson is getting in trouble. Yeah, he's getting reprimanded big time. The military guy, uh, his his superior, is pissed off because he lost one of these barrels, and rightfully so. The, this uh, this guy who plays his superior pulls some of the best faces I've yes, I've and ever they take seen. advantage of it too. They really, they're do. like right in his fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> so he's pissed off, and Robinson has to explain why he uh, why he lost the barrel. Well, Robinson, why don't you go pick it up? Well, sir, there's this fat redneck elephant with a gun. I mean, this fat redneck with an elephant gun. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's a fat joke. It is a fat joke. Man. I mean, admittedly, Ferd Mertz is he's a big uh, dude. Is he's a big dude? That's exactly right. So uh, Robinson. He's been ordered to take as many men as he needs to go get the barrel back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, for this, take the entire army, and then pulls the <laughs> most ridiculous face ever. <laughs> and, and you'll be interested to see who he does choose to, to bring with him <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> uh, we cut very briefly over back to the uh, um, our family of rednecks who are using the still now to make moonshine and it's coming right. out quite green yeah it's pretty gross looking <laughs> and uh ben, then back to the campers who are arriving they arrived at the scene that they were supposed to arrive in at wilbur's campsite mm-hmm. uh and um it's i guess it lives up to expectations yeah well i mean there, quite quite nice. there certainly is a pond to piss in yes in fact they Bob, Bob actually demonstrates his ability. Very impressive stream of piss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Andrew, I think Andrew says uh, Andy says it looks like a clay-based sinkhole. Which I mean, that's not even a great line, but that's what his description of the area is. Mm. Uh, this goes back to the 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 Moonshine family, and it does have one of my favorite lines of the movie because Ellie May, he wants to go fishing. Yeah. And his brother goes, got worms? Yeah, goes, but, I'm, yeah, going but anyway. I'm going anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Ellie Mae is not able to go fishing. Because nope, Paul it is, quote unquote, him. her turn to deliver the, the the shine. It's her turn to deliver the shine. And her father goes, I pulled you out of your mother and I'll shove you right back in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but remember what I was saying before, Mo, about Andrew and how strange it is that they made that particular character sort of the horny dude. Right. Because in this next scene, we do see both Bob with his ma- beautiful stream of piss. Right. And Andrew and Wilbur are talking about how much they kind of want to bang the women, that are, the other female campers. It's weird. It's weird. It's strange. I mean, this is, this is kind of an odd thing for us to be talking about because just because Andrew has sort of an effeminate voice certainly doesn't make him... Uh, uh, gay, right? Uh, and his character in this movie certainly isn't shown to be gay, but his manner in the film is particularly effeminate, right? So him talking about it, and there's a line coming up in just a little bit that's particularly like, oh, "What? No." <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, but yeah, so it's it's like I thought they were going to do some sort of switch at the end. Well, he's like Johnny <laughs> from Airplane. You know, it's like you don't you don't have to say he's gay. You just know. Right, he's fabulous. Yeah, as you he's have. fabulous. <laughs> that that that's that's a much better way of saying what I fucked up saying. <laughs> <laughs> he's not and, normal. Yeah, Bob, by the way, is a great character, and he's a very underrated character in this movie. Bob's uh, one of the best characters in the, in this movie. I think Bob and Robinson are, are two of the best characters. Absolutely, and he film. comes over, <laughs> and he ends the scene by asking him, where's a good place to take a shit? <laughs> yeah, I love it. He just took this really long piss, and now he wants to go take a shit. The guy, the, he's getting back to nature. Can't, uh, can't, uh, can't fault him for that. Yeah. Hey, if a, if so, a Bob shits in the woods. Uh, uh, all right. Is there anybody there to smell it? <laughs> Uh, we go to Ellie Mae. Ellie Mae is driving around. Uh, he's going to be making his deliveries. He's singing a song about not having shoes, which is great. <laughs> sure. Uh, and he uh, sees a hitchhiker and he picks him up immediately. <laughs> yeah, he's and what's like notable, excited about picking up the hitchhiker. Yeah, he's super excited. He's, oh, hitchhiker! Yeah. And he picks him up. Uh, what's notable about this hitchhiker that I would I did not notice the first time I saw this film? Okay. Are you uh, are asking you asking me again? I I don't know what. I'm asking you questions, Mo. What? Well, the hitchhiker is is portrayed as a parody of the hitchhiker from um from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh. I mean, he's not only a parody. Most of his lines are directly from that character I and see. he 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 even does the same kind of facial expressions. Uh, for those who haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre for a while. Yeah, that's uh, me. The character they pick up the hitchhiker. He uh, he takes photos of everyone with uh, a Polaroid and then tries to get them to pay for it. And then he takes out a straight razor. But in this case, the, he is taking photos. But he's talking about that he works at a barber shop. And when he takes out a razor, it's a like a safety traditional razor. safety razor. <laughs> razor. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's actually uh, the exact kind of razor I use. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he does well, Let's just get For those who, who are familiar With that character From Texas Chainsaw Massacre We have a little bit of audio You'll probably pick up right, right away That he's trying to sound like him We give you a shave And a haircut For free <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of a useless scene But he does spray A bunch of shaving cream On his hand And then he, he ends up Shaving his own face bloody Right but, and, then, and then he cuts Ellie Mae's arm Just like he cuts the, In Texas Chainsaw Massacre They cut the guy In the wheelchair And then they, uh, Ellie Mae throws him out Yup Th- Throws him out Yup uh, But uh, the <laughs> did Did steal some of the moonshine yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Um, I I think he, he's the first victim, essentially. Uh, or did the or, yes, bec- or did the the brothers drink some first? Well, it, whether they drank it first or not, when the hitchhiker starts to drink it, he immediately starts feeling the effects right. of it. Oh, by the way, some of you might be wondering at this point, where are the redneck zombies? <laughs> yeah, well, keep in mind we're only like fifteen minutes into the movie. Uh, we're we're probably a little further than a that, but half yeah, hour it, it, movie. yeah, yeah. But and, but so I just mean like cool your jets, yeah, chill out, cool, cool your chill out, cool listeners. your Japanese. We're jets. gonna get to the fucking redneck zombies at our own pace, right? And the pace will be very very, very soon. soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so back to the campers, they're smoking pot, so everything's fine. There. Actually, actually, there, one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is um is in this real short. Like throwaway scene of them smoking pot, and he goes, he goes, it's only the best from New Jersey, and one of the dudes goes, which exit? Which is such a New Jersey thing to say. It's hilarious. I had a feeling that they put that line in just to see if Troma would pick up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which exit? 
uh, back to the uh, family, the the redneck family, and they are now uh, yeah. Now they're, they're drinking. They're drinking it. That's not going to be good for them, right? <laughs> then we, then we have one of the weirder sort of cutaways in the film. It's just bam, breasts. Yes, Mo. Okay. You're like me. You're a you're a um you're a man's man. I'm just like you. I'm a red blooded American male. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I wonder what. <laughs> I'm I am a I'm red blooded. That is absolutely you're a blue blooded um, Canadian. Man. I'm a blue. That's right. I'm a blue blood. That's true. I'm one of the Beverly Brothers. <laughs> wow. But uh, but they cut to a very tight close up of a woman's breast. Yeah. Oiled up. I, looking good. If someone told me, like if someone is describing this movie to me and, and they tell me, then they do a close-up of a woman's breast, I'll be like, all right, all right, I see what they're going with there. Sure. That's something I could get down with. In this particular case, I have to say, it made me feel weird. It was weird. I don't know if it made it, me feel weird, but it was it was a weird cut and an, uh, an odd timing choice, so to speak. Because, yeah. I mean, because essentially it's just, I mean, like all of the jokes, like all, literally every single joke when he delivers moonshine to somebody is a throwaway joke. Every single yes, one. exactly. And this one's probably the most throwaway of them. <laughs> but it it's an opportunity to add breasts into the film. So, I mean, it's sort of like you got to, you got to, you got to say, well, I mean, good, good on him for thinking to do that. But uh, you know, but Mo, it's, how but it's how, the epitome of gratuitous. Yeah, well, you know, Mo, how if if you think too much about what breasts are, it kind of desexualizes them. No, I don't know anything about that. Well, let me tell you that as a I person who thinks, I, say, I haven't been doing that for. <laughs> but if you like, if you really kind of just like focused on the whole idea of the way that we, as as uh, as, as straight males, that we. Uh, that we are attracted mm-hmm. to breasts. But if you think about that too much and how that's kind of built into us, but you know, if you continue to think about it, that it kind of gets a little weird. Well, I couldn't help but think in that weird way during this close up. It made, it felt very medical. Mm. Yeah. It was a little <laughs> clinical, but anyway, two, two guys are watching this television broadcast of breasts, which we discover that's what it is. And they, they uh, sum up my opinion in, in very aptly. Well, let's hear it. I like knockers. Yeah, I like knockers too. Perfect. I mean, what else is there to say? Nails it. I would say that generally I do like knockers, but in this particular scene, I don't particularly care. For them. <laughs> well, you know what? When it was just the, when it was just the knockers themselves, I was fine uh-huh. with it. Then when they cut back and there's like, I don't like food involved with stuff. So I mean, like when there was like the whipped cream and cherries, I'm like, that's oh, too much. Yeah, <laughs> it was no little, longer. It was a little gross. It, my, it, it made my motor conk out. Uh, I was no longer getting going with it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm no not into my that. engine. <laughs> but I love. I love. They ask. Uh, so so Ellie Mae shows up and, and delivers their their moonshine. And uh, I love. They ask if they ask. I'll say him if they want. If he wants to come and watch, and he goes and he kind of looks down. and He goes, "I got a pair of my own." <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Uh, we get. I mean, there's. This movie is actually edited very tightly. It I really think. is. Yeah, it's really uh, well edited. And and I mean, it, it's cutting amongst all of these stories, but they all make total sense. Uh, pa, we go back to them very briefly, and they're starting to get uh, feel a bit funny. Uh, and we also go to the campsite where they're getting fucked up smoking pot. And the, it's great because they use these kind of really uh, funky, cheesy effects 
because for both of them, because one because the group is turning into zombies, right. and the other one because they're getting all fucked up. Yeah, one of them's tinted <laughs> green, the other one's tinted blue. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And this is a lengthy sequence. It re- it, yeah. Well, it I, goes I, a little too. Anybody, any, anybody who's friends with me on Facebook saw that I posted a comment about how I love when a film can go twenty minutes and I only write two pieces of notes on my <laughs> on my paper. And this this was the scene I was talking about, where I mean it's literally twenty minutes long and about twenty minutes, and like there's just nothing happening. I, all I have written down is lengthy, fucked up sequence. Yeah, I wrote all the drunks are feeling strange. All the campers are high as a kite. Um, I said you can tell they're high because they're using every optical effect in the camera. That's exactly right, yeah. and and it, it, it's almost a little bit of a shame that they are using so many optical effects because you get to see some of the transformation happening in the background right. for the pa and the boys, right. and it has some of that classic '80s physical effects where like the bubbles it's very come up trash. under the skin, very street trash. Yeah. That's exactly right, uh, and it looks really good what you can see, but it is kind of overlaid with a bit. Maybe if you saw it kind of clearly, it wouldn't look. Yeah, quite exactly. So good. Maybe it only looks impressive because it has the uh, the optical effect. Uh, and uh, that's our first day That's the end of the day right. Because what, the next scene is It's the next day, everyone's waking up Or like the whole day is starting again But Ellie Mae is still making his deliveries Yeah Like Ellie Mae makes, their, makes his deliveries For like Seemingly three days straight <laughs> Yeah, for a very lengthy time <laughs> Meanwhile, but he, like he only got He only makes like five or ten stops I mean... That we can see. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> the um, notable ones. So he makes a stop at Mrs. Ashley's house, and uh, he's, he tells her that, that he's running behind. <laughs> and she takes the moonshine, and there's a kid. In a washing in machine. House. In a washing machine. She goes, your bath can wait. <laughs> I got to tell you, I love scenes where they put kids in things. Yes. Like, uh, you know, like uh, there's this great movie called Just for the Hell of It. Uh-huh. Where they're, I mean, where they take a baby and put it in a trash can, and it's the greatest thing ever because it's like, I mean, it's obvious that the kid's not being hurt in any way. Like they put sure, the, they put course. the kid in into the trash can so gentle, it's hilarious. But they still put a kid in the trash can, and it's yes, fucking brilliant. Absolutely. It's like that. There's a, a a photo that you see online all the time. Uh, it's, I mean, who knows how true it is but it's about a family they let a friend take care of their kid and when they got home there's uh, a picture as their back background on their uh, computer is him with a kid in like a pot on top of the stove right right exactly <laughs> exactly we just like to see kids get hurt is what I, i'm trying I, to say yeah exactly i love like it eaten or sliced up i uh, but in this case, the kid seems perfectly okay even though she then proceeds to give moonshine to the kid in the bottle in the bottle oh Southern and, United States, and we'll and we will be seeing that kid again later. Yeah, that, for those who are not picking up on this, this delivery that Ellie Mae is doing is an excuse for later when we get a bunch of zombies out there. Right. Well, the whole, the whole, you know, the whole gang, the whole uh, county has been turned into zombies. It's actually incredibly clever when you think about it, because now you can make you can make a joke. Every time you drop off one of these one of these uh-huh. bottles of moonshine, and then you can make another joke later when they all become zombies. That's right, like a follow up. Yeah, you can do a follow up, and you go, "Oh, I remember. That. That's the guy from earlier." It's and mm-hmm. it works. It really, yep. really works. 
so back to, now the campers are all waking up, or at least some of them are. When we go back to the campsite, I have to say that one of the most notable things when they go back to the campsite is that a boom mic falls like way in the frame. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was happy just the fact that they had a boom mic. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that they're not doing fucking in camera audio. We we've had a little too much of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the one of the girls. Uh, there's three of them in this group, uh, but Sally is the one who wakes up. She uh, grabs some TP and heads into the woods. Classy. Classy. Uh, and Teresa, who is like Bob's girlfriend, she wakes up next. Uh, she's wearing a Live Fast, Die Young, and Leave a Beautiful Corpse t-shirt. Ironic. Mm-hmm. Not even trying to be ironic this time. Right. <laughs> uh, Sally... Uh, who's gone off to uh, to take a shit? She finds some cans of moonshine. Right, and then she is attacked she, by Zombie Jethro. Right, a redneck zombie Jethro, one of the sons. Finally, uh, a redneck yes. zombie. And this is our first real taste of gore in the movie, and it's ridiculous. Uh, and it's ridiculous, but it's also inventive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with the gore in this movie. Well, I like, I like, yeah, I mean, like, like the scene where he puts his hand up her scalp to tear <laughs> her scalp off was was really clever. But then he starts slapping himself with the gore, and it's like, that's just silly. <laughs> so he scalps her and sort of eats the scalp, <laughs> <laughs> and then, like I said, slaps himself with the blood. And slaps himself with the blood. Uh, Sally, quite rightly, screams at this whole thing happening. Right. And Teresa, back at the campsite, hears this, and she tries to wake up the other campers, but they, kids don't do drugs. Right. Right? Right. Don't do them. Because you won't be able to wake up when some your friend is trying to help, uh, trying to get assistance. So Teresa heads into the woods and sees the zombie basically tearing Sally apart. Exactly. She, take, fact, she he, takes off. Yeah, he comes upon like she comes upon the zombie and he's like sucking an eyeball out of a skull. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he lifts up the skull and he just kind of does it like, <laughs> and sucks the <laughs> eyeball. <out. laughs> so uh, Teresa runs off and runs into Bird, Bird Mertz. Bird Mertz. Bird Mertz, who's yet to have uh, drank any of this moonshine. Uh, instead, he uh, he acts very creepily. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he he's actually more creepy than any of the zombies at this point. Um, yeah, he catches her. He asks her what she's doing up there so early and alone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He says that in a very menacing tone. <laughs> and then he tries. He, he thinks that she's in shock, so he's trying to loosen her clothes. Right. That's that, that's inappropriate. I'm saying this directly to the listeners. Inappropriate. Ferdmert's not someone to uh, to copy in any way. Oh yeah. So Jethro. Ca- yeah, well, yeah. So Jethro <laughs> catches up with them. Zombie Jethro. And Ferd's response is great. He goes, is this yours? Here. <laughs> yeah, he just throws Teresa just at him. hands her over. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Ferd is directly responsible for her death because right. the zombie bites her neck immediately. His response is so amazing when the zombie bites her neck. He goes, he runs off, he goes, yikes. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> <And> runs. <laughs> it, it cuts to him running away. And he's, like, running through these kind of long bushes. Right. And he's, like, wrestling he's like, with them. He wrestles with it, and he's losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he keeps, like, falling down over and over. Yeah, he, take, he takes some brilliant pratfalls. <laughs> yeah, and he basically rolls right into the uh, the still, right. the site of the still, and finds all of the leftover moonshine. 
but he is a, but there's a really really disgusting scene here too involving Ferd where he sees um, yes. the other girl's lower half, the lower half of her corpse. Yeah, and legitimately contemplates banging her, and at least uh, makes a suggestion that he has done this in the past. Right, <laughs> because he says at least I don't have to put a bag over her head this time. Yeah, but he does have a don't great moment. Don't be like Ferdmert. I like him too. It's almost a real shame though because he because he has this really great moment where he kind of breaks the fourth wall and he looks right at the camera. And he goes, "Oh well." He's about to take a drink and he goes, "Oh well, hope I don't go blind." <laughs> he looks right at the camera and says it. <laughs> I like that he he takes he takes the, the moonshine and he's like contemplating it and he's like happy that he's found this free stuff but he goes too bad it's that Clemson jizz <laughs> and then he smells it and he goes sweet mama take a bath <laughs> yeah I don't know Ferd is a horrific awful person right. but he is a hell of a character yeah exactly uh, because we don't uh, so yeah so he drinks it he doesn't. He hopes he doesn't go blind but he's gonna drink it anyway well uh, we we get introduced to a latecomer in the character list of the movie, and that is the mother of the Clemson family, the guys. She's mentioned the... briefly before. Uh, Everything all right over there, Mom? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm <laughs> weird sleep schedule lately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she's mentioned briefly before by Ellie May uh, because, uh, like, the father is saying, don't save her any of the moonshine because she gets crazy when she's on it. But uh, yes. You know, but it's but it's it's but you're pretty much uh, you realize pretty much immediately that she's kind of crazy even off of it. So yes, <laughs> yeah. she carries around a, a baby pig. Yeah, exactly. And uh, she's a little pissed off that the boys didn't come home last night. Uh, this is scene is to set up a, another scene later, but that's the only reason it exists. Right. Uh, so the campers finally, the rest of the campers do wake up. Uh, and they uh, they can't find Sally or Teresa. We know what have, has happened to both of them. They've both been killed. Right. But this is where... Remember what I said earlier a couple times about how Andy is an unusual character and that his horndog persona seems a little strange? Well, let's hear his response to the fact that two of the women uh, have uh, disappeared. Maybe they're exploring. Maybe there are a couple of damn dykes. Oh. I sure wish I were a Dutch boy. Oh. I sure wish I was a Dutch boy. I mean, I I feel uncomfortable spending too much time talking about <laughs> how effeminate that character is. Hey, Johnny, what can you make from this? I can make a, I can make a brooch? <laughs> and Leon's getting larger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny for a reason. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we get a couple of quick clips of what's happening with the moonshine around the area. We see two kids daring each other to drink the moonshine. <laughs> they both drink it. Those are cool kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the mother, we we see the 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 mother of the um, uh, the Clemson mother arrive at the still, pick up some moonshine and smells it, and she just thinks that the boys and her husband are on a bender. Well, you know, it's she. she's actually one of the few people who has some sense where she says, I mean, she sniffs it, then she decides to bring it home. Before, yeah. You know, she's like, well, I should bring this home before I try it. You know? Yeah, it's, I guess that's sensible. <laughs> I mean, it's as sensible as you're going to get. Well, it would be more sensible just to not drink it at all. Yeah, but but it's moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's green. I mean, let's yeah. let's not ignore that it, fact. It is green. <laughs> so, the campers. They've gone off looking for the uh, the two missing girls. They head into the camp. Uh, sorry, they head into the woods. They find the location of the still. Everyone seems to end up here. Uh, and they discover, they make a grisly discovery. That is such a good sound. <laughs> I love it stuff. Lisa, by the way, is so annoying in this fucking scene. She freaks out yeah. and just like co- totally collapses. But it's like, God, is that a person? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see. I want to see that replace the Wilhelm scream. You know, I want. I want to see. I want to hear that scream in every fucking movie. Oh, you know what we haven't mentioned up to this point, Mom? Is that along with the campers that we have mentioned, there's another camper. You know what I'm talking about? Another camper? There's another a, a person, a camper, a hairy guy, a guy with long hair. He oh, right, right, the drinker. The drinker. The drinking guy. There's another guy. character that we have not mentioned up to this because point. Because he hasn't we, said anything. Right, and he has does no not say anything. Point. And he hasn't done anything except drink up to this point. Right. But every time you see him, he's drinking. Yeah, every literally every single time. Like you I find out, you know, for, for the first like twenty minutes of the film or so, like it doesn't really, it doesn't really dawn on you exactly what's happening with him because, right? You know, because I mean, it, you know, they've only been out for a day or so, or at least they make it seem like that. And it's in, right. and arguably, a man could be drinking the same bottle of booze. Sure. For, for, you know, over the course of a day. You know, it, it wasn't, I think it's in this scene is where they finally cut back to him and he's drinking a different bottle. Yeah. And you realize, right. shit, he's been drinking something different every single time. <laughs> and from here on out, his appearances in the film are a joke. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, they're, he's always shown to be doing, like, sometimes, like, he's reacting. He's like, he, he's like a, um, He's someone who's very separated from the action in that he just doesn't give a shit right. what's happening. But he's the only one who ever makes any, like, smart decisions. In, <laughs> to one extent or another. Yeah, to one extent or another. Like, he's the only one who, like... I mean, granted, he's drinking the entire time. But, I mean, but he's the only one who, like... I don't know. Like, he... he I don't, I don't want... I'll mention it later. But, I mean, but he does right. some stuff that, you know, that none of the other characters would have thought to do. He's sort of a doofy looking guy he is, too. Yeah, he actually looks like my dad when my dad was a teenager. It's really really funny. Uh we Ellie Mae is continuing to make deliveries and is delivering to a house with a homemade freelance butcher sign outside. <laughs> when he goes inside they have a woman tied up on the couch and, yeah, and they they're are watching a wa- video of chicks being beaked. It's really yes. disturbing. Yeah, chicks in this case being like, yeah, like chickens, uh, baby chickens. Baby chickens. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm just making it clear, it's all. <laughs> well, I, butcher... assumed, I assumed the word beaked would have. <laughs> uh, a butcher comes out covered in blood, gives some money to uh, to Ellie Mae, and uh, takes the moonshine, and that's it. Right. <laughs> it's just a visual gag. It works. <laughs> so the, back to the campers. Uh, they are f- freaking out. They're still having a hard time with the fact yeah. that they have found uh, a corpse. 
But they're still looking. They don't. They don't know for sure that uh, Sally has been killed as well. Oh, by the way, bef- before when you had mentioned they found the moonshine still, that wasn't when they found the still. They find the still. That's right. That, they just found the corpse first. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they find now Teresa's corpse, the and now they find uh, Sally's corpse at the still. Uh, and they're trying to guess what the hell happened yeah. to Sally. Well, they were guessing uh, before with Teresa. They thought maybe it might have been a bear. Right. You know, and then uh, our our surprising voice of reason uh, declares that it's not a bear. I don't think it's a bear. What? I don't think it's a bear. Look, geek. Look, blow me, moron. Listen. <laughs> blow me, moron. <laughs> Yeah, so Andy does not think it was a bear. In fact, he uh, he explains himself fairly well, which is that um, uh, I can't remember why he's so certain. Actually, I think it's because there are still so many pieces left. Right. Um, and uh, he suspects. Well, that he also people... he also says because the still is still warm. That's and, right, yeah. and, and they didn't destroy anything else. Yeah. That's right, and he suspects that people did this. People, uh, though though he also uh, they're the worst kind. Well, he he also suspects that you know these people are monstrous in some way, right? Setting up a uh, a very they they go a long way to get to this joke uh, about the mash that's left over. Well, they I mean, and uh, and Bob thinks that Wilbur's the one behind it mm-hmm. because the Wilbur's from this area, and you know he's the reason why they wanted to be there, and blah blah. It's blah. a pretty weak red herring, but Bob will find out has reasons to be a little paranoid. <laughs> There were chemicals in this barrel. The chemicals got into the moonshine. You'd think that it would kill them, but my guess is that it just turned them into horrible maniacs. You mean this, this moonshine? That's right. Monster mash. Boo. Ah-hoo. So. That's right. That's right, yeah, that's right. Monster and he reads mash. the barrel, and he notices that it's nuclear waste, and he puts two and two and two together and says that, yes, Monster Mash. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's actually, I mean, it's it's a long way to get to that joke, but it is a clever joke. I mean, Yeah, if, no, no doubt about if it. If you and, know and, about moonshining, it's kind of a clever joke, but it, it, it really does take, it's ridiculous how long it took him to get there. <laughs> So, remember Robinson, Mo? I do, because he's my favorite Robinson, character in the film. Your favorite character in the movie. He's headed back to the site. He's gotten the two soldiers he needs to help him get that barrel back. Right. Now, one of the soldiers seems like a pretty stereotypical tough guy soldier. Sherman. Sherman. That's exactly right. like a Sherman tank. Right. The other soldier, how would you describe this person? Okay. Well, let's let's put it this way. If we have been, if we have been saying that Andy is effeminate, then this other character is a fucking stereotype. Yes, this is an offensive gay stereotype. Yeah, this this is essentially... This, is, this isn't them saying, oh, I wonder if this character is gay. This is them saying, this character is gay. Yes. Everything he says has to do with this awful stereotype. Right. I mean, he's, there's, wearing, there's a, a t- he's wearing a pink scarf and... Yes. Yeah. It's it's horribly offensive. Right. I'm trying to think. He, <laughs> says, he says something else. He says something. I can't remember what he says. He but says, he, well, they said that there's a possibility of fighting. He goes, he goes, there's going to be fighting? How could you? What if I break a nail? Oh, right. That's what he says. I mean, that is, that's that's lazy and offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
So uh, the campers are fighting. They're all having a hard time with what they're dealing with. Right. Bob, as you mentioned, uh, he suspects Wilbur, and they're fighting. They're like they're like fighting physically. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like throwing the fisticuffs. Andrew tries to break it up. He is now wearing a shirt that says "Same shit, different day." Don't hassle me. I'm local. That's right. <laughs> but Lisa is the one. She has not really made her uh, made a strong impression so far. This is the strongest impression she makes, where she screams at them, "What the hell is your problem?" And she this is where she cuts a wrestling promo, and she suggests that they should pass all responsibility over to Andy because Andy seems to be the only one who's kind of keeping a clear head. Yeah, it's actually I I think this is one of the more clever jokes in in, in the film too. Uh, where they go, you know, she's going on and on and on about how Andy's the most responsible one. He seems to know what he's doing. And then Andy is immediately attacked by Jethro. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, 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 they ask us like, Andy, what do you think we'll, we'll, we should do? Well, and think. he walks forward to respond and he immediately gets attacked right. and killed. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, not killed, not killed yet because, uh, you know, thankfully Wilbur's thinking and he grabs the, uh, a shovel and chops off Jethro's head. But right. Not before Andy has a chance to grab his deodorant and spray Jethro with it. Now, my memory of this film from the first time I saw it was from this scene right here, because I remembered that Andy's shirt keeps switching in the scene. Right. <laughs> and uh, it, it was, again, it was very hard not to notice that as soon as he gets attacked, his shirt switches, and it switches a couple times after that. Right. But who cares? Who cares? Bob, by the way, is having a very hard time with what's occurring. I do love the fact that, like, that we get one final shot of Andy trying to clean the wound on his neck as he's falling forward, dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, that guy, the guy who we've only seen drinking, when Andy gets attacked, it cuts to him laughing, <laughs> 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 laughing at the zombies attacking. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> Uh, Bob, by the way, his hair in this scene yeah. turns it turns into a ridiculous wig, like uh, not quite as ridiculous as that scene in Amazon Women in the Moon, right? When when uh, when Arsenio's Hall's afro goes boom, like flips out hugely, yeah. but it's it's in that kind of strategy. Yeah, it just it, but but I like how it just gets bigger and bigger. Yes, it does. You know, brilliant. And uh, <laughs> Bob himself is having some trouble. Oh God! I wish I was home. There's no place like home. Tada, tada! And your little dog too. <laughs> Chill out, Bob. <laughs> Chill out, Bob. <laughs> Chill out, Bob. <laughs> but I mean, like it's 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 sort of jokes like that that make you realize like how influenced by airplane these guys were. Yeah, no kidding. You know, but uh, but uh, it, it. I mean, whatever. It's still it's still funny. I like I like. How ridiculous Bob gets! Um, like, yeah. like I mean, we like he takes yet. he takes all of like any joke that Bob is involved in, he takes to the fucking ex- nth degree. Yes, and that is going to come into major play immediately because right. Wilbur suggests that they all hide out in a mine shaft until they can figure out what the right. fuck is and going on. And they drag the body of Jethro along with them. Yes, for some reason. For some reason, and in fact, uh, once they get into the mine shaft and they light a lantern. Uh, we find out that reason because Wilbur asked Bob to do an autopsy. That's on actually this uh, that that scene with the lantern is actually pretty clever. The lighting, lighting clever, trickery, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a part where it 
we see one character in the center of the screen, and then two characters appear next to them because of the light. Right. Uh, and it, that's really like really well done. It's, yeah. It's yeah. It, it's it kind of makes me. I mean, because it's not like they stepped into the light; they were there. Yeah, they were there the whole and time. Then the, yeah, and then the lighting came up and showed them, and it's like, like I didn't know they were there until the lighting showed up. And it's like that's really impressive. I, people listening now, they're like, are these? Are they really that impressed by lighting? Yes, yeah, because no one cares about that sort of shit yeah. in most of the movies we're covering. Exactly. Like, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, go back and listen to any of our other shows. When do we talk about lighting? <laughs> you know, well, except for it, except for maybe a, an offline like the lighting in this really sucks. I mean, there's a testament to the quality of this production as a whole, the fact that they are supposed to be in a mine shaft, right. and though we never really see anything about that mine shaft, because of the lighting, because it's so dark all around, it's convincing that they're in some sort of location. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fall asleep over there, Mo. We got a little bit to go. <laughs> I don't want any fucking emails talking about my yawning in this episode, you assholes. Uh, so if you knew what I was we, uh, going through. <laughs> We did uh, We did get a sense, by the way, earlier, I think you mentioned that there's a reason that Bob was asked to do the autopsy. Right. Uh, it's because he's pre-med. Yeah. I'm pre-vet. <laughs> pre-vet. We'll just think of the body as a big cat. <laughs> <laughs> and we also, it's also revealed the reason that Bob is having such a hard time with everything. Because he dropped some acid. He took acid this morning. He's like, you remember, well, that, I mean- you remember that acid I was saving? <laughs> well, I woke up this morning. <laughs> I, don't, I think I think I have the whole the whole line here. Uh-oh. Let's hear it. Yeah. I thought it'd be over by now. I thought I was at my highest an hour ago. <laughs> but I'm still That's all you now, I do have oh, to admit that listening to that end part in just the audio makes it sound way worse than when you're watching it. Because when you're watching it, you can kind of read their lips as they're talking. Sure. And you can follow right. it a lot easier. Um, just listening to it, everything sort of gets caught up in and on, in itself. And audio-wise, the end of that's not great sounding. Not great sounding but it works with when you have the visual. This is another super trippy sequence. It really is. Yeah, and it goes I don't, on for kind of a while. Like, the fact that they know that he's tripping out on acid and they decide to go ahead with the fucking autopsy anyway. Right. And, like, he's like, I don't have any instruments, so they give him this giant knife. <laughs> yeah, they hand so him a Bowie starts, knife. Yeah, right. That's right. So he starts cutting open the zombie <laughs> and starts pulling out guts. Now slice him open. But in his twisted mind... I love I love how Bob uh, keeps going. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he pulls out a beer can. <laughs> yeah, he's so he is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it uh, tastes great. Less filling. He's really <laughs> hamming it up. Like he's. I mean, I would say he's chewing the scenery in this, but the scenery is a dead guy, so I don't want him chewing. Yes, it, but but he, he like pulls out a shoe and he pulls out something. And he goes, "I'm gonna keep this for myself." Yeah. And he puts it in his There's pocket. There's a squeeze. One of those little alien squeeze toys. Oh, that's right. Those the stress reliever yeah. things. I would have. <laughs> uh, and I love that it ends with him like he puts his head like really close to the stomach wound, yeah, like right into it. He goes, "I'm gonna climb in here. Oh, no, I'm gonna, yeah, maybe I'll, right. I'll climb in here later." And then he like suddenly stops being high, yeah. like just like 
all of a sudden he has that he moment of clarity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just like the idea that the rest of them are watching this happen, right. and they're just. He's like pulling out the guts and putting it in his pocket. Are you kidding me? That would have been like the the highlight of my evening to to watch a guy high on acid pulling guts out of a zombie. The outstanding thing about this is that this was totally a great idea, yeah. but not because of the stupid <laughs> stupid sequence. But it it uh, it explains how they're going to battle the zombies. Right. Because when we get back to them, uh, we are shown two zombie hands and. Bob has, also has two types of spray deodorant. Yeah, he, sets, he, explains, it, he sets it up like those old commercials where we're like... That's right, Brand X yeah, yeah, type Brand shit. X versus whatever. <laughs> but actually, but in between there, though, there's this great... Uh, or I don't know if maybe, maybe it's during that, but there's this... I think it's a song that's playing. It says something about like right. redneck zombies on the prowl tonight or something. Yeah, it's like. another redneck zombie song. Yeah. <laughs> the music in this is really, really fantastic. So so Bob uses these two types of spray deodorant, and he shows that one of these kinds of spray deodorant, the ones with aluminum clyrohydrate or something, uh, dries out the zombie and, and uh, makes, basically makes them melt. Right. It dries them fast and keeps them dry, mm-hmm. you know, like an advertisement. And that, that, and that drying out, like melting uh, effect is very trauma. Yes, yeah. it, you know what? That is exactly the right way to put it. Yeah. Anyone who's who's seen, you know, Class of Newcom High or Toxic, Toxic Avenger, Avenger, of course, uh, and and you see kind of goopy melting effects, it's right out of that. Yeah, like I mean, because I know I, I I remember when I used to watch the old VHS tapes, and they'd have those weird like interviews with Lloyd at the beginning and stuff. One of the ones they were talking about, like, how do you make the weird like slime effects that you guys sure. use? And like he goes through the whole process. So right. I guarantee you that this guy watched one of those and been, been like, oh, perfect, and used and you used know, it a bunch of times because it's all throughout this, this movie. This is a slightly off topic, but isn't it astounding how long Troma stuck with that? Uh, uh, well, their their production logo at the beginning of the movies. Do 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 do. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to uh, I used to joke with uh, with my with my friend. Brett, who was sort of my movie watching uh, buddy for a long time, uh, <laughs> that every time I hear that, I, I just know that it's going to be a, that it's a sign of quote unquote quality. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll, space patrol. Well, that is a sign of quality. <laughs> I love that fucking movie. <laughs> so, uh, so a zombie, by the way, I think it's Jethro once again arrives. Oh no, Jethro was, Jethro was off, dead. Right? <laughs> yeah, another zombie arrives on the scene in the mine shaft, and they all end up running out. Yeah, this is this is the first zombie we see with the really, really ridiculous, like black under their eyes. Yeah, and with like just a kind of uh, like goop on their face, but it's just kind of uh, looks like cereal. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just some messiness, not not exactly well made up. Right. Uh, we also uh, Ellie Mae returns home after his delivery and discovers that Ma has ended up eating her her uh, pet. <laughs> She's a zombie. Exactly. Oh well. Uh, back to the soldiers, all three of them, they're driving towards uh, the location where all the action is happening. They end up popping a tire. They break down because they ran over a glass jar and a, and a safety, safety razor. I love, I love how he goes, we ran over some bullshit. And then the, and then the, the stereotype <laughs> gay guy goes, perks up and goes, what? <laughs> um, 
they uh, they see the hitchhiker, by the way, from earlier. Right. They see him standing in a field. I like one of his responses. This is such a that good boy line. Don't, that boy don't look right. <laughs> but Robinson's line is so good here. Where he starts coming out, he goes, stop! And he keeps coming, he goes, freeze! And he keeps coming, he goes, Feeny! <laughs> he goes, Feeny, motherfucker! And the zombie stops and he kind of goes, that's French! <laughs> Well, Sherman, who is the not uh, horrible stereotype soldier, he's a horrible he, stereotype soldier. He's not yeah, a horrible he's just stereotype a, gay, right? Yeah. And most soldiers are, are actually like this, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but he uh, let's he, let's not get the armed forces against us on this one. <laughs> he uh, he wants to. They tell him to take a shot at the guy, but he says, you know, because <laughs> I haven't tasted him. redneck in forever. Yeah, so he wants to beat. He wants to beat him up. <laughs> So let's hear uh, let's hear the uh, stereotypes soldiers' uh, response to that. Be nice, Sherman. Fuck you. <laughs> I guess they have an unfortunate, <laughs> kind of an unpleasant relationship. I, no, that's how Sherman is to everybody. Yeah, right. That's right. You know, no, it has nothing. <laughs> I, I love the fact that just because he's gay, like they don't like make fun of him or torment him for being gay. They torment him because he torments everybody. Right, and he's just a horrible soldier. He's just a terrible human being. Brilliant. <laughs> the most offensive line from that guy is coming up in just a second. But anyway, Sherman <laughs> ru- Sherman goes out to beat the shit out of this guy, but the zombie immediately rips his throat Kills out. Kills him in like a second. And takes and a Polaroid a picture of him. of him with the Polaroid. Right, right. So all these zombies start attacking. <laughs> yeah, you're this right. Game- this, this is a pretty offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, two offensive lines. But, like, all these zombies... They just saw, by the way, one of the soldiers get killed. Instead of being upset, all these zombies show up, and the gay soldier goes, This could be fun. Did you see the movie Deliverance? Yeah, did you see Deliverance? Oh, my God. And he, run, he runs, runs directly the into the crowd of zombies. Goes, and right before... Goes, water right before sports, anyone? Him, yeah, he goes, Water sports, anyone? Yeesh. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I have it written down. They kill the gay soldier before he can be more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Water sports, anyone? Robinson, by the way, still one of the only sensible characters, runs away. Right. <laughs> and in fact, he runs off. And you know, you, runs you, in- do you think how ridiculous it is that a character who just earlier in the film was smoking pot with a dog... <laughs> While driving a barrel of contaminated radioactive nuclear waste um, is now the most reasonable character in the film. <laughs> That's just the way these things work sometimes. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, so finally, some of our, our – uh, that story is going to meet our camper story. Yeah, it took a Because Robinson runs, uh, runs to where the campers are. And he, in fact, he tries to warn them in a very memorable way. <laughs> Yeah, this this might be the worst line delivery in the entire film. <laughs> like, so bad they had to fucking subtitle it. So bad they had to put a fucking subtitle on it, but I love how joyful it was that they put the line on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> There's a boat agent trying to run next zombies back there and they're coming this way! <laughs> There's a boat agent trying to run next zombies back there and they're coming this way! I couldn't. I couldn't say it like he does, even if I wanted to. Yeah, I know, right? There's a boat up, like the lines just start. The words just run together in some sort of mass. There's literally Monster no mash. spaces between words in that sentence. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> brilliant though. 
Oh, uh, Robinson, before he can join the group, he actually ends up running into Ferd zombie Ferd Mertz. Zombie Ferd Mertz. I, I, lo- I, way- love, I, love, I love Hollywood reveals. You know, <laughs> like I think Hollywood reveals are probably one of my favorite things about movies ever. And this is probably one of the worst slash best ones because the only way you can tell, the only way you can quote unquote, not tell that he's a zombie is because his head is down. Right. And so Robinson runs directly up to him. He's like, Hey man, it's like, he actually goes, Hey, it's you. Right. Cause he recognized, yeah, him he recognized him and runs down to him and doesn't realize that he's a zombie until he lifts his head up. Right. Right, right. That classic, uh, the classic movie thing where right. a character can only be seen when the camera shows. Right, him. Right, exactly. Like I, like, like I remember uh, the, probably the worst offender we we've had so far is um, Gorno, where the where the kid walks in and pours himself like a glass of milk and then notices his father hanging right, like, right. right next to the fridge. Meanwhile, he was just facing him. <laughs> so, uh, zombie Ferd Mertz, uh, when uh, when Robinson does notice, he ends up shooting him right. through the stomach. But that does not have it does nothing. Uh, the zombies in this movie seem to have some sort of super strength. Well, I mean, yeah, in gen- in general, they tend to, they tend to portray zombies with some kind of super strength. Yes. Well, in this particular case, Ferd Mertz zombie grabs Robinson's head and squeezes, squishes it, and, and then a, eats his, eye. his eyeballs pop out, and his head smushes. And he eats his eye, right? And he eats his eye. Right. That's right. It's great. I love head smush. I love head crushings in movies. They're almost. And that's by the way another trauma staple is head, head crushing. So, so you can see why they wanted to put this out there. And a lot of and a lot of the times, it's the same head crushing. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> in fact, in fact, during the little interview thing that they do on the mo- on the version you gave me, they actually show the infamous head crushing scene from the first Toxic Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know the first time I ever saw the Toxic Avenger, that scene wasn't in it, right? Because there was there the edited version of it didn't have that right. or the kid's head getting smushed. Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, but it's amazing to think that we live in a world now that that is in it. Like that's the version of the movie that exists. Yeah, now. that's yeah. just it for going forward. Crazy. Ah, I love it. <laughs> uh, so now zombies, this shit's going down now. Yeah, we, All essentially the, the in, uh, essentially the entire town, you know, the yes. is is now around this batch of whatever campers. <laughs> I love Some I love the, the one I love the one in the full body like the red union suit yeah. who like keeps tripping over himself. <laughs> Some of these zombies look pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them just have, like, some of their hands aren't done. Some of them are just, like, there's a little bit of white face paint on, right. and it's not even, like, their whole head. Well, they probably just, like, ran out of makeup. Of... I mean, and that, that's, sure. that's forgivable, but, I mean, really. Oh, I'm, I'm not knocking. I'm just but saying, really, if you're watching it. Really, there's... if you're going to do that sort of thing, make sure you have those zombies with the best makeup up front. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Instead of putting one that looks terrible front and center, which they do a few times yeah. here. Uh, so the, all the campers have spray deodorant. I guess Andy really did bring a lot of it. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, and they are using that as a offense against the zombies. I would have thought that because there was so much setup that we would get a lot of zombies like melting and stuff like that. But that's not really how it plays out at all. No. In fact, it doesn't seem to be as effective as I was expecting. It actually focuses entirely more on like the drinking guy like running and drinking. 
Yes. Like, there's way more focus on him drinking than there is on, on their technique actually working. I mean, they take out a bunch of zombies with it, but, I yeah. mean, like... It's it's not like they don't. There's no like fanfare to it. Like they don't really show. Like it's it's ironic that there's a huge fight against zombies where the focus isn't the zombies. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, Wilbur does kick one of them in the balls, yeah. which is great. Uh, and Lisa gets attacked. She gets surrounded, but then Wilbur saves her. But he gets surrounded by zombies. I would have let him and- take her. Yeah, uh, she she's an irritating character, yeah. especially up to this point. Yeah, Wilbur's she really definitely does a better character. <laughs> yeah, but uh, don't get too attached to Wilbur at this nope. point because he's dead. He uh, at this port port <laughs> at this port point. at this portion of history, uh, you couldn't have a zombie movie without someone getting ripped apart right. in a very Day of the Dead style. Right. And that's what this is. In fact, it's super similar to the the big. And uh, Captain Rhodes' uh, body rip at the end of Day of the Dead. <laughs> I mean, on a budget, but I mean, that's what it's made to look right, like. Right. Where his like, bottom half gets sort of carried away. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird that they cut back a little later? And I mean, like after this scene, they cut back to Wilbur and it shows him like still be alive and then die. Isn't that very odd? That is a weird choice. Yeah, yeah. Would, just because he should be dead. If he just got himself torn in half, he'd be dead. <laughs> yes. When you see someone walking along, like walking away with your with, legs, with your legs, and like you, even your hips are attached, and like intestines are just spewing out. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the end right there. You'd just think. accept it. You'd think. <laughs> um, Bob, who is still alive, by the way, <laughs> he uh, he's trying to hide, but uh, unfortunately, he encounters the drunk guy. Yeah, drinky. Now you said that the drinky has he has a lot of uh, intelligent uh, responses or or ways to survive. And I thought situation. this I thought this was his best one. What does he do? He tosses Bob to the zombies. He tosses Bob to it's the zombies. Brilliant. And actually, I got to admit that Bob's response in yes. response to that is even more brilliant. Yes, it is. And because it fucking works. Yes, for a time. So Bob pretends to be a zombie by putting his arms out, and then he motions with his head. Towards the drunk guy, <laughs> and it totally works. And Drinky drinks an entire bottle of grain alcohol. Yeah. What's What's even better about Bob motioning towards the guy <laughs> is that when all the zombies attack him, he's there too. Yeah, he joins like, in. He joins in. He's in the back helping out. He doesn't. He doesn't run away at all. He just. He's. I'm gonna help out. But he suddenly gets overwhelmed and he like moves off and vomits, and then they cut to the zombies all looking at him, <laughs> and they bite the shit out of him. They really do. <laughs> so, by the way, that's like that's um, that's all the characters except, except for, for Lisa. Lisa. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. I was surprised when I looked down at this point. It's even in my notes. I said, "How is there still twelve minutes left of this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I mean, even if you factor in five minutes for credits, which is about what there was, you know, I mean, tw- like you still have, you know, eight minutes to to fill, approximately. The uh, the the movie takes a bit of a weird turn here. It too. does, because Lisa runs away, yeah, uh, as she is wanted to do, and she goes to an abandoned house, and it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's like in the middle of a field. Well, she has a weird moment where she successfully manages to hide behind a tree while uh-huh. the zombies run past her. And right. the best part about it is that they never cut to the zombies at all. It's just a strip. I mean, it's actually a really clever shot mm-hmm. um, where it's just sort of like this medium head, 
you know, on her. Uh, and she's just giving faces and, and, and looking scared. And, uh, and this, and we hear the zombies run by and we're like, okay, it worked. And then she runs off again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she runs off to this house, which when she goes into it has a few zombies in there already. Right. Uh, and she, and the thing is she hasn't been capable at all up to this point in the movie, but suddenly in this fucking scene, she's super capable. Right. In, in fact, she, this is the only scene in the film that she is capable. Right. Because even even because she gets attacked again after this, and she's not again. It's very weird. Right. Yeah. But this scene's kind of awesome. Yeah. No, it is. This scene is great. This scene is is uh is in fact so well put together that it almost feels like it comes from a different movie. Right. Exactly. It doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. But um yeah. So she gets attacked by the zombies. It's it's the mother. It's Ma and Pa basically. Yeah. Um, it's kind of ironic that the kettle is is whistling because you know Ma and Pa kettle. Never mind. Um, Jesus Christ, Mo. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what they were. Going I don't think for. they were going for that, but I just in my head. Anyway, so the mom gets pushed away, and, and like the ironing board falls on her head, and it's like it's played up. Like it's so weird how like this yeah. super violent scene is played up for so much comedic effect. Like yes. there's the really great scene, like a great moment, like right after the mother gets pushed back and the iron ironing board falls on her head um, that the father, the pa attacks her and she's, and she's decides she's going to attack him with the kettle. Right. And she's reaching over to, to get the kettle and she puts her hand on a fucking rat trap. Yeah. You know, and it's like, why was there a rat trap next to the kettle? Yeah. It's a, I mean, this is a cartoon. Yeah. It's a really cartoonish. It's, and it's played up for some really weird laughs, but at the same time, I have to admit, I laughed. Yeah, absolutely. And then she grabs a hammer and fucking smashes his skull in. Pushes, yeah, she gets the hammer and puts it right into his head. Right into his head. It's a good effect. Yeah. And then the other, the ma, the ma zombie who got whacked with the ironing board, she gets <laughs> she gets up and starts to attack. With a machete. That zombie, with a machete in its hand. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Lisa gets the machete and then she takes it and slices. Well, she pushes the machete through its head right. and, and cuts it off. Yeah. And it rolls out the door. <laughs> but I love how but I love how she like at this point she trips and she wind she kind of does this weird sort of spin around and winds up sort of face to face with Ellie Mae who's laying on the table. Yes. Um uh, and I th- I think the makeup on Ellie Mae for this scene might be the best zombie makeup job in the film. And the, the the makeup in this scene in general is a step up. I yeah. mean, I have a feeling, maybe I'm wrong, but this looks like a scene that might have been filmed after the rest of the movie. Maybe. Um, because it, it does have an extra level of, you know, we know what we're doing here. Right, exactly. Yeah, there's there's definitely more polish in this than there is in anything else. She, she stabs Ellie Mae in the brain, finishing with off that... La- with a fork. And she falls backwards, but he, the, Ellie Mae, spits up this green gob... Ugh. And it lands right her on her head. Ugh. <laughs> lands on her head. It's great because that this slime that lands on her is it. It gives me all sorts of nostalgia for like uh, Ninja Turtle mutagen, yeah, 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 yeah. He Man slime, and all this. I mean, Gack. for those who weren't around in the late '80s, people were into slime. Yeah, there was a huge thing about slime back then. Right? Maybe it was Nickelodeon, or you can't do that on television. But it people loved fucking. Yeah. They loved slime, and they wanted it on themselves. I, and I was yeah, I was gonna say I was a huge. Ninja Turtles fan around this time, so I had that uh, evil 
base where you would strap the turtle into the thing and then pour slime on it. It's funny that you mentioned that because just a couple of days ago on my Facebook page, I mentioned He-Man, and I had a He-Man pit where what it does is you put a character in this, basically it's like a wall that has a skeletal hand that holds the character, right. uh, and it's exactly the same thing. You, you're just supposed to pour goo over yeah, them. Yeah, I think I... I but I if you I, did it to Moss Man, he would smell like shit. Well, he smelled like shit anyway. Well, he but did, he but worse. Stinkor... Yeah. Stinkor smells like shit too, but no, he Mossman smelled really bad yeah. after you covered him with fucking goo. It's true. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is not the last zombie. Yeah. Quick, quick aside. By the way, um, oh. I, I, speaking of Mossman, I lost minimum four Mossman in my backyard <laughs> because you take him outside to play. That's right. That's some good camouflage. Yeah, you take him outside to play. His camouflage for the grass was so good. That you'd put him down once and you'd fucking lose him forever. And I replaced that dude f- at least four times. Anyway. That's outstanding. You're right. That yeah, that, that, those were not the last zombies. <laughs> so uh, we see someone walking downstairs. It's actually done really well where you see the footsteps come down. Right. Uh, Lisa sees a shotgun. She uh, grabs the shotgun, tilts it towards the guy. Actually, the zombie comes in through the doorway, walks in front of a wall. It like, moves to the right a little bit. Mm. And she... Blows his fucking head. I like off, how, I like really. how he kind of gives almost a little smile before, and then yeah, and then, and then like and the timing and the effects that they use for. I mean, like it's it's almost like maniac level awesomeness with the. That's because it looks like they actually shot something with the shot. Yeah, they really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and, and it's that's what <laughs> really cool. I mean, yeah, it's super cool. Uh, if you like. Uh, zombies getting their heads blown off. I like and anything getting their heads this, blown off. Yeah, if you're listening to this, you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, that's it. Pretty much, we see a montage of some zombies eating guts, uh, including uh, we see Wilbur get that last breath in for some reason. We see the baby we, from before. Yes, we do see the baby from before. <laughs> baby zombie still being carried by its mother, which eating is so guts. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best part when baby zombie is eating the guts. Uh, Lisa does run off. She's now covered in blood, uh, looking very much like Marilyn Burns from Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre. She collapses on the ground, and we get a final appearance Ferd Mertz. by zo- zombie Ferd Mertz, <laughs> who has already been a pretty reprehensible character, yeah. but then proceeds to try to zombie rape her. Yeah, he does. It's really disturbing. It's really disturbing. And, you know, and you know the funny thing is, that, like in the entire scene, like even with the zombie rape scene, I, I still still thought the most disgusting part was when he fucking oozes that shit out of her, out of his mouth and it lands right in hers. And like, yeah, oh, that's gross. That's really gross. <laughs> she uh, she does what we all would do in a situation like that. She grabs a corn cob, dried out corn cob, stabs him in the eye. Dried out. That's right, and stabs him through the eyeball. Perfect. Perfect. What better? What better use for a corn cob? Uh, except for making, except for making a nice pipe, uh huh, and a button nose. <laughs> yes, and two eyes. She's shivering on the ground. She's totally zombie bait. Except her savior arrives in the form of the tobacco, tobacco man. man. He finds her and apparently has her committed. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how that scene would look? I'm done with the tobacco man. I'm here to, I'm here to get her, get this woman committed. She's crazy. She saw a bunch of zombies. That's right. He's got the echoey voice. <laughs> maybe she ate too much tobacco. Maybe she, maybe Her she gums ate have too rotted out. Of them pellets. They taste like licorice. You don't even have to spit. <laughs> they jump then to 
basically where we started back at the asylum, right? right? And she's back at the asylum. It's sort of a major cheat that is happening because we get no resolution to the fact that this entire county has been taken over. They don't nuke it or anything like that. All we get is that I guess she's been committed now, and and uh, apparently the whole events of the movie were too much for her, which are, it's, it's a pretty reasonable response. But we don't ever know what happens to all these zombies, right? <laughs> all we get is a, a quick little wink where the drunk guy is. Uh, I guess it's a drunk guy, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean he drinks. Yeah, he, he's he there. winks and then drinks at the camera. So I'm assuming it's supposed to be the drunk guy. Yeah, so he's reading Fangoria with his feet and he's drinking, and that's the last thing he just sort of. Uh, Winks. Right. That's right. And we get the closing theme. The haunting closing theme of Redneck Zombie. I don't know why it thought to start with a baby crying. Do you but... the of a redneck's life You know, this song, just like the other Redneck Zombie-themed songs in the movie, it, it's kind of similar to the approach that uh, that Rue's songs on this show are, you know, where they're kind of serious takes, even though they're kind of right, goofy. Right. This is not the best of the Redneck Zombie songs. No, this is... This is... Still, though, it has a full soundtrack. I mean, actually, the music in this movie is, is, I mean, again, everything is a little step above. It's all a little bit more polished and professional than you would expect for a shot-on-video movie. Uh, In fact, this is one of the first shot-on-video movies that we've covered from this time period where um, it's sort of like Blood Cult in this way, where they easily could have swapped out, you know, 16-millimeter film instead and it would have looked, you know, it, 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 the skill of the people making it was pretty much exactly the same. It was on par yeah. of low-budget filmmaking yeah, at that yeah. time. But uh, but I, it's actually a little bit unfortunate in some ways, um, even though we love shot on video movies. But but when I said my initial response to this movie is that it looked amateurish, it's because it was shot on video. Right. And that's just me. Because when it comes to its its production value, it's probably higher than a lot of the, the shitty movies from the 80s I was watching at that time period. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, we, we were young. We hadn't... Uh... We were young! <laughs> no one can tell us we're wrong! <laughs> uh, I just want to keep singing that. Uh, Love is a battlefield. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a, a shoulder shimmy right now and snapping my fingers as I walk towards the camera. Um, no, I was saying, you know, we, we hadn't quite developed that eye for this kind of cinema yet. So, I mean, I mean, because we've said that before and we'll, and we'll probably say it again. It's the sort of thing that if you, you know, if you don't, quite appreciate it yet it you're it's it's a hard thing to get over it's kind of yeah you got you got to develop your eyes right, so to speak right. in regards to it. i mean it is interesting to think that uh that that uh, uh that pericles could make this movie at this time period say 87 to 89 right. but when you compare it to even the films that were made four and five years later they were dealing with uh, limitations in regards to technology that made it look a lot less polished. Right. 
Uh, I mean, I mean, even when you compare it to something like Zombie Rampage, which is a movie that I think we both liked when we watched yeah. it and we talked about it. I mean, that's that's a movie where they weren't using boom mics, or if they were, they were using them infrequently. Uh, <laughs> or in- and it incorrectly. Do- <laughs> right, right. And, but but everything about that is is on a different level of, of uh, amateur cinema than this is, right. which is pretty close to being, you know, mid-range uh, horror of that time period. I mean, it's, it's this is a really entertaining movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, Closing credits. Th- let's, let's put it this way. Trauma picks up a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody out there is going to argue with with us about that. That trauma does put out a ton of crap, but uh, and I'm and by and by that I'm talking about like the non trauma produced crap. You know, sure, uh, exactly. They distribute, yeah, a they lot distribute of shit. a lot of shit, and uh, and this is arguably one of uh, not arguably inarguably one of the better films that they that they've ever picked up. I mean, it's really well done. I mean, it's 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 a good movie. And it's heartening to think that this movie it must have had found a certain level of success because, you know, you still get special edition right. DVD releases of it. I right. mean, this is a I wouldn't say it's necessarily the pride of the Troma catalog, but it's one that they've taken care of. Yeah, exactly. You know, which I mean, I think, and, and let's hope them. let's hope that one day we'll get, you know, we'll get the extra special Rock and Roll Space Patrol. Uh, especially Fuck and roll Space Patrol <laughs> I feel it coming Yeah Yeah <laughs> Wasn't it like I hope that the, the special edition Manages to last longer than the Wasn't it like an hour long <laughs> Maybe not even <laughs> Yeah <laughs> So let's let's hope we get the uh, director's cut one day. Uh, the closing credits of Redneck Zombies. Not much of note there, but it does give us the uh, classic. Um, you should not mistake the events for uh, persons living dead or undead right. in it, which uh, we've all seen. See, I always love. Doesn't... I always love like the like in trauma. See, that's the one thing where he gets where he gets it wrong. Like if he was if he was trying to appeal to trauma directly with this one, he should have put more funny. Uh, funny credits. names in the credits yeah. you know because like the trauma always has like that you know like the key grip and this is the guy's name and this is key grope and it'll be like lloyd's butt cheek or something like that <laughs> you know the heights of comedy it's masterful <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, but that that is the uh, the entirety of redneck zombies a movie that i was very happy to Revisit, and I really had a lot of fun with. I mean, it's a flawed movie, no doubt about it. There are parts of it that are uh, poorly done in the sense that uh, there isn't a great commitment to continuity, sure, and there sure. are a couple of technical issues. But overall, it's one of the most polished films that we've covered on this show. But you have to admit that some of the tech, some of the continuity issues might be on purpose. Yeah, they might be. That's yeah. absolutely could be you the know. case. I don't know if that boom mic falling in the frame. I don't think that was necessarily on purpose. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, everything here is a step above the acting. None of it is great, but a lot of it is fun. None of it's which, none of it's that... particularly bad, though. Uh, no, you know, uh, I mean, like it's uh, it's it, it it falls into the range of pretty pretty good and fun to kind of shitty, but like me, yeah. but like on the, like on the mediocre scale, not like not not into the bad. And everyone's over the top, which is yeah, perfect. exactly. And everybody's completely over the top all the time, so it works. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this is an over the top movie, right? I mean, this was this was the golden age, and I didn't see Stallone once the entire time. 
This is the golden age of the uh, horror comedy. I mean, it was right around that era. So, uh, so you know, it, it, it makes sense that they're trying to hit that kind of goofy Three Stooges-esque tone uh, and trauma tone. Right. So, I mean, good on them. This is a quality movie. This is one that uh, kind of earns its spot amongst the shot-on-video elite right. of that time period. Unlike Boarding House. Unlike, well, Boarding House earns its spot because it's so fucking crazy. Right. It's, uh, oh, man. You know, Blood Cult, that's a movie where when you watch it, you're like, well, there's, you know, this is kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. And stupid. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was, because it was marketed so heavily as the first of its kind, then it's important historically. But Redneck Zombies is entertaining on its own. Yeah. Right. And not, I mean, none of them are science crazed, but I mean, but what is? <laughs> science crazed? I mean, 1989, I mean, that's, that's it's when this. The, uh, it's in the realm. It's in the realm. It's in the uh, oeuvre the, of this the time oeuvre. period. <laughs> God, could you sound more pretentious talking about fucking low budget films? Oh, I love, oh. I love me some, some, <laughs> some uh, quality oeuvre that oh, includes nineteen ninety one science crazed. Uh, by the way, we've gotten away from science crazed slightly. We don't talk about it that much in recent episodes, but uh, I'm hoping two thousand fourteen will be the year of science crazed. I'm hoping that it'll get discovered on a more wider. Let's make it. Scale. Let's make that uh, happen. That should be. That should be our New Year's resolution. Make. Uh, I, I was a little. I was a little saddened to pick up. I mean, the the Bleeding Skull book came out just uh, recently, and I loved it. The book itself is amazing, uh-huh. and it's certainly fans of this podcast should check it out. But unfortunately, it does not include an entry on Science Crazed. Ooh. It does have Boarding House, but not Science Crazed, and I was a little saddened to see that. That's and, disappointing. Uh, yeah, but but that's that's why 2014 is going to be the year. Yeah. We are going to find out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the director and how uh, more people can see this damn thing. Oh, my nuts. <laughs> that's, I don't even, that's, that seems like a non sequitur at this point. It is. <laughs> Mo, that's Redneck Zombies. That's all I have to say about it. Everyone should check it out. Everyone who's listening <laughs> to this. And yet again, it hopefully. takes us two hours to talk about a 90-minute movie. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? <laughs> It deserves respect, and it deserves this one does speech. Absolutely, yeah, it definitely it definitely does. Um, well, we should talk about what we're going to cover on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Have we established yet? I guess we kind of have. Well, for those who are, uh, are not in the know, and if you want to be in the know, you should uh, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. That's actually our group where you can have conversations about the movies that we're discussing, yep. as well as uh, as promote your own projects. Uh, we put up a poll for a what poll. we should cover. Yes, we should. Which uh, we, we I put up a few kind of common titles, uh, popular shot on video titles: uh, Truth or Dare, Tim Riddish, Truth or Dare, Violent Shit, uh, Things, of course, which I Night voted Ripper. For. Spl- yes, and and uh, I think you I'm know, the good, only one who voted for it. A good range, and we ask people to vote or add to the list themselves to see what we should cover on the show. Yeah. Crickets, I said. We need to get crickets as a recording. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, friend of the show, director Michael Allen Fitzgerald, had, uh, well, he had, uh, he wanted his film to be uh, to be covered on the show. He campaigned. <laughs> he, he campaigned. He legitimately campaigned. And you gotta you know give the guy credit. He campaigned to make that the <laughs> next movie we cover. Uh, and, and, uh, bully for him, yep. <laughs> because he got it. He got enough people to vote, 
Uh, I mean, we're not and, talking huge numbers here. I mean, it was eight compared to four. Yeah, you know, but right. I mean, we're doing, yeah, but to get, but to get, but to get eight people to go onto a, like a no budget film group uh, discussion group on Facebook and vote for a movie is actually a pretty big accomplishment <laughs> in this day and age. So yeah, so uh, so why don't you uh, have you already mentioned what we're going to be covering? It's uh, it's Michael's film, Victor Juliet's Director's Cut from 2009. Now, I should note, by the way, that I've seen this film, and I writ- wrote a review f- about it for DailyGrindhouse.com. So, uh, so Michael has already gotten the attention from me. Right. Yeah, he's, do- he's doing this all for me. <laughs> all for you. Uh, and, in fact, I even interviewed Michael at the time. So so this is Mo's opportunity to see it and see if his response to it matches up to my own. But I can say though, while I did not dislike the movie when I saw it, uh I I wasn't necessarily blown away by it. But I'm I am of the opinion that everyone deserves a second chance. This movie is a prime example, uh speaking of redneck zombies, because the second time uh or sorry, I should say the most recent viewing of it was a much more rewarding one for me. Right. I'm going to return to it. I'm going to watch Victor Juliet's director's cut, and who knows? I might just love it. Hey, what can I? What you know? You know what? I'm getting a free VHS copy of it out of the deal, so I'm <laughs> I'm totally cool with it. Any other any other directors out there putting out VHS copies of your films? Feel free to send them send them to me. You know. I was really hoping that Die Hard Dracula was going to win this, and that is a movie that I've only kind of discovered recently. But I hope we do cover at some point on the show. Yeah, yeah. Paul's the only one who voted for that. Yeah, I mean that's that movie is doesn't have a lot of sort of rep at this point. Right. Uh, but I mean, all the ones that are listed, and that includes things like Woodchipper Massacre, Video Dead, uh, Tachit's Dominion, which I thought might have gotten a few. But well, didn't you know, really you know any. what it seems to me like given given where all of the votes are. It seems to me like not a lot of people clicked the see more options. Yeah, that's know? right. Anything that was below that, they just There's didn't no see it. no votes on any of that stuff. Right. Well, uh, a, a fun experiment all the same. And we are – and the, you you said it. You wanted it. Yeah. You better listen. We'll, we'll do this again in the future. I, I think oh, yeah, maybe, maybe every 40 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> see you in 2017. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, we shall be covering Victor Juliet's director's cut. And uh, if we don't like it, we're going to let you know. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. Uh, for those uh, who are listening today and wish to find out more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast, what's the best way for them to do that most? I think the easiest way is go right on Facebook, which is where all the kids go these days. Fucking kids. Facebook. Get off my lawn. Uh, social what? Networking? What? Social What? Uh, I don't want to be social. I want to curl up into a ball in my room and play video games. Anyway, uh, yeah, Facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. Definitely the best way to go. And you can also find all episodes of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. And uh, also uh, you could subscribe via iTunes or on Stitcher over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. Oh, so exciting. Yeah, and, and you can still check that out. You can find all our old episodes. You can listen to them, enjoy them, subscribe. And, of course, you can always find uh, new episodes over at dailygrindhouse.com. That's also where you can find writing by me. You can also find both Mo and myself on Twitter. He is at DrunkOnVHS, all one word. And Doug is at Doug underscore Tilly. T-I-L-L-E-Y. 
Very good. <laughs> you know, and it's gotten to the point now where that's that's the part in the, in the audio when you when when I sync up the two sides that that's the part I use to sync it because we both say it at the same time every time now. <laughs> See, it works. I'm glad I I'm glad I introduced that. To the <laughs> but uh, with that said, I think it's time to bid adieu. Yep. To the crowd out there. Good night, folks. Leon's getting larger. <laughs> Can we make a pterodactyl? <laughs> Good night. Well, I'm making my moonshine by the light of the sunshine In the woods that my pappy Dungan gave us in his will I don't want to have to kick your ass If you get between me and my mash That done gone been placed down into my still If it weren't for brother Ellie May He was a big strong man but he might be Hey, let's not go down that road Cause it's a scary place within I can't carry that barrel Let's hope the corn is all he's squeezing I pulled Ellie May right out of his mother And I'll push him right back in Olay Ooh, it's real swampy Just right, no chicken frying steak and could improve. Let's tear that lady's scalp in two and eat a friend who'll be by soon. We'll wait for all the city slickers here to pass on through. Done gone and saw me Your meal tonight for a hungry redneck zombie